I'm Dr. Future, your host. I invite you to join me as together we experience a future quake. 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 Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I am Tom, got your back bionic. Yes, uh, particularly because you noticed we we had a miscue recording yeah, the beginning of this segment. We caught it, though. It's okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm here for you, bro. Well, it's a new week, mm-hmm. and uh, we have a new guest this week on Future Quake, Dr. William Alnor, mm-hmm. the uh, author and professor at Cal State East Bay oh, yeah. in California. It's a marvelous little college. Uh, one of the first writers ever about the... Uh, biblical response to the UFO phenomenon. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about the spiritual agenda behind the last day's UFO phenomenon, mm-hmm. as well as some other matters. And this is a gentleman who's long overdue to be on our show. Yeah, um, he's sort of a pioneer. Right. And Although I'm, he certainly doesn't come off as one. He just, I just, you know, he sounds like a regular, nice, professional gentleman. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, uh, he provided a lot of work in the early days in the Christian community about UFOs and looking at a biblical worldview mm-hmm. and uh, has not written as much about it in the last few years. Has done a lot of work within the body of Christ about uh, mm-hmm. cults and about uh, uh, people getting away from orthodoxy and the faith mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. But he's coming back with a vengeance, and uh, I say, great, the body of Christ needs him and his analysis. Well, with the way and, things uh, have been going lately, I mean... Well, he's going to have a lot to write about, and uh, I'm just so glad he's uh, on our side, and I'm, I'm glad that mm-hmm. he's come on Future Quake. Mm-hmm. And uh, hopefully this is the beginning of a long relationship, but yeah. with no further ado, we need to cut away. Cutting away. For uh, Dr. Alnor, we know you're going to enjoy this. No further ado, uh, we go to our interview with Dr. Alnor, and then we'll be right back to wrap it up here on Future Quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I am Tom Bionic. And we have another new friend with us here on the show this week Yay. for Future Quake, uh, a fascinating guest that mm-hmm. uh, hopefully will become a new and maybe regular friend of the Future Quake Show. We're with Dr. William Alnor, the professor and uh, author and professor at Cal State East Bay in California, yeah. uh, but yeah, author of a number of books uh, that would be of interest to our fellow Futurians. And we're going to talk about the spiritual agenda behind the last day's UFO phenomenon. Which I know is going to be something of interest to our listeners out indeed, there. Indeed, indeed. Uh, that's not something we t- often talk about here on the Future Quake Show. <laughs> yeah, but uh, every other week. I mean, yeah. It's <laughs> uh, right up there with Rockefellers and Nephilim. Yeah, we practically all, wouldn't have a show. All if it wasn't for Well, Dr. Alnor, enough about us. I just want to tell you it is a pleasure and long overdue having you on the Future Quake Show. Well, it's nice being on the show today, and so I'm, I've been writing about weird stuff for a while, as long as my, with my academic work. I'm always delighted to come on show, shows to enlighten people more of, of what my research reveals. I don't know if we can handle the weird stuff, because we're a very conventional group here. <laughs> uh, we're like, uh, you know, more like focus on the family, only just a little bit more conservative in the subject matter. Yeah. yeah. But uh, if there was ever a radio show with a listenership that is ideally, ideally suited to appreciate your research and ministry, it's certainly ours here. Um, and, and I tell you, I'm very glad uh, that your speaking role at the upcoming uh, Ancient of Days uh, First Christian Conference on Aliens and UFOs, uh, speaking there alongside myself, uh, was I was actually a catalyst for your visit today. 
And uh, I had a great time with you the other night on Russ Dizdar's show, too. I hope we can do that again. Yeah. Uh, that was uh, with with you and myself and uh, Dr. Marzulli on there. Uh, we could have gone on for a lot longer time there, but uh, I'm I'm so glad you accepted my offer. I believe on air to uh, come yeah. on our show. Yeah, I'm really glad to come on. I'm really glad to be part of this conference. I've known Guy Malone now for six or seven years, and he's he's the real deal. And so he really has a heart for evangelism and getting at the truth of the matter. And so I'm very happy to be part of it. That's great. And if anybody can. Uh, you know, hop on a train like a hobo to get there or uh, whatever you have to do. Just jump on the back of like a agricultural truck and ride into Roswell to be there. It would be worth it uh, to be able to I, I think just the experience of being in Roswell during July 4th weekend is just absolutely incredible. The first time I was there was about three or four years ago. And the whole the whole town, the, the main industry is UFOs. And so it's mm-hmm. really, really interesting to see close up and in person, mm-hmm. especially during that weekend. And you have UFOs crashed into the side of buildings. Yes. And then and then you go look at the UFO museum and look across the street and you see alien-resistant headquarters. Yes. Yeah, and, such an inspiration for it to be funny. right across the street yeah. from there. So uh, it's it's a fascinating thing, and I hope everybody can uh, that can can make it will come join it. To to begin our discussions uh, tonight, could you please share with our audience uh, and give them a little introduction to your background and how it led to your current positions that you have in your activities today? Well, I became a Christian at age 18. I'm not going to get into a big, long background, but I'm the son of a Methodist preacher, and mm-hmm. I decided to give Jesus a chance for myself when I was 18 years old, and I came out of a teenage years of, of, of drug involvement and, and things like that. And uh, the Lord changed my life around. And then I started, after I got saved, I invited Jesus into my heart, you know, and repented of my sins. I asked him to give me a calling, and he seemed me a couple years later that he wanted me me to become a writer. And so I kind of spent much of my 20s and even into some of my 30s preparing for and doing doing a lot of writing. I was a former newspaper reporter in the Philadelphia region. I have a Mm. degree in journalism from Temple University. And then later in the 90s, I have a master's degree from Temple University and then a doctorate in mass media and communications. Mm. So um, being a reporter for roughly a decade in the Philadelphia region really taught me to write fast and write about all kinds of things and uh, secular things mostly. You know, I was a crime reporter. I did a lot of investigative reporting. And um, and I started to um, wonder a lot about writing and journalism and, and especially Christian journalism. And one thing that really got me started, and this is in the late 19, 1970s, was the suicide massacre of the people in the Jonestown, Guyana, where 913 people, you know, either were shot to death or they drank cyanide laced Kool Aid at the behest of a cult leader. And so I spent a lot of my early years as a journalist investigating cults. How can anyone follow someone so totalitarian and so unbiblical? Because Jim Jones claimed to be Jesus Christ. I mean, the reincarnation of Christ in Lenin is what he said. And so a lot of my early years were spent investigating heresy and cults and false doctrine right along my time as being a newspaper reporter. And then I started writing books, and some of my interest has been in Bible prophecy, uh, near-death experiences. I've written a book about that and several books on UFOs. And I started writing um, magazine articles, and um, my first book came out in um, 1989, and it was called Soothsayers, the Second Advent, and it dealt with Bible prophecy. And so I've been writing books on religious topics ever since, 
And it was uh, in the mid-90s I decided to pursue academics more so than just writing books, uh, partly to feed my family. But I also feel that it's important to train people, you know, into, into good journalism and especially training Christians. And so that led to my getting my doctoral degree, and I was teaching part-time at various universities. And then uh, in, uh, when I finished my doctoral work in the early uh, – well, I finished the coursework in 2000, I became a full-time professor uh, at Mansfield University. And then I went to Texas A&M in, in, um, in Kingsville, Texas, hmm. and I've been here at Cal State for the past four years. So, so I've, been, I've enjoyed my academic life, and I've enjoyed um, um, being involved in the campus atmosphere. I'm the advisor here of, of Campus Crusade for Christ, and I'm involved with various Christian ministries uh, right along with my secular teaching. Hmm. And I'm trying to get my writing career going again, uh, writing books. It's, it's not that it ever ended, let's put it that way, but I'm trying to uh, reemerge as a writing at least a book a year on evangelical causes and biblical causes because there's a lot of confusion out there today. Mm-hmm. Well, well you, you know, that's interesting that you led to that because you mentioned cults, ones like... Uh, uh, Jonestown and things like this, but a lot of your work has been in heretical and apostate teaching, even with the, within those who consider themselves part of the church or on fringes of Christian belief system. Uh, why did you get in that side of it, and what was the impact of your involvement in that part of your ministry and work? Well, I came out of a United Methodist background, and I began seeing how, and I'm not here to condemn all the mainline denominations, but let's face it, folks, a lot of them are really strayed away from what their founders have, have wanted. It's now possible to be ordained in almost every major mainline denomination denying the deity of Christ, the Trinity, the virgin birth, mm-hmm. and even affirming all kinds of things that are absolutely unbiblical. And so I began writing about the issue of biblical inerrancy and why the Bible is so important, and that led me into writing about um, off-centered groups coming out of mostly Pentecostalism and also um, the mainline denominations. I, I began to see that a lot of American Christians in particular are involved with what I would call experience-driven Christianity. Mm-hmm. Instead of biblical-driven Christianity, they want the latest the, the bells and whistles that are going off, the latest lightning bolts that they happen to see. And a lot of that has been phony baloney stuff. A lot of it has been things that have that, that is designed to get money out of a Christian's wallet into their wallets. And so I've become very much a critic of like heretical teachings that can be identified worth word faith teachings. I'm very critical of that, as well as um, um, chicanery in the church. And a lot of that has come from my background of being a newspaper reporter. I really feel that there's a lot of people on, on Christian television in particular, and uh, I won't say Christian radio either, but I think in Christian radio, not you guys at all, uh-huh. but on <laughs> Christian television and radio. I sure hope there's not a book about us in the yeah, near future. As I'm getting a little older, I'm kind of withdrawing from some of that mm-hmm. and concentrating on, uh, on, on other things at this right. particular point. I think that... Sometimes I might have been a little bit too critical in the past, but I stand behind everything I've written. Mm-hmm. But I just feel that um, there's just been a lot of, of false teaching and a lot of false emphasis and almost like the gospel of, of, of Americanism, although I love my country, but a gospel of like unlimited capitalism coming out of the, the media in, in, in the late 20th century and into the early part of the 21st century. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it, it really takes... Um a man to actually admit that even though he's done things that are 
by the book right, inaccurate, incorrect, the spirit of it may be a sometime that has evolved, you know, and matured over time mm-hmm. in your perspective. And that's a good example and role model for the rest of our listeners, too. You could be doing things that are right, and maybe in the time and context that you do them, they were appropriate. But sometimes there's time where we move on in things. And I've certainly gone yeah. through that in my life as well, too. Um, but, you know, even through the times that you were doing this, I'm sure you did a wonderful service for believers to be able to start questioning things. There have to be people who turn inward and look within the church and ask the hard questions nobody wants to ask. Uh, afraid yeah, that they're well, going to step on people's toes. A lot of it is the attitude and the spirit in which you do it. But hmm. Yeah, well, I think my work has, has survived the test of time. And, in fact, a lot of people have written me saying, you were right all along. And I'm not going to get into anything real specific here. But I was even sued by a Christian ministry about four years ago. And I was totally, hmm. not only was I vindicated in that case, but they had to pay all the legal expenses. Not to mention that Second Corinthians chapter six tells Christians not to sue other Christians, and so it was um, mm-hmm. it was just a highly publicized case. And I've been involved in three or four of those over the years. But again, in each case, I'm not saying I've never been wrong, but in each of the highly publicized cases, I've been absolutely correct with what I've written about. Well, I'm just relieved that all of that uh, heretical teaching is over with and behind us now in the church, and yeah, we no, don't see any of that no, going on today. None. It's all strong <laughs> biblical. We've yeah. purged ourselves of all of that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and I've, I've thought about getting involved with writing about the modern prophetic movement. I think there's a lot of problems there in mm-hmm. the emerging church movement. But I'm mm-hmm. kind of moving towards, I might write a book on, on Islam. I think that's where the big challenge is today. Mm-hmm. And feminism in the church, I'm doing something on that right now. But uh, as far as just going after all the word faith people, I'm not really doing that very much anymore these days. And, mm-hmm. of course, I'm writing more on uh, on, on UFOs and, and other topics, uh, you know, that, that we'll be talking about in Roswell at the upcoming conference. You know, the good thing about writing on UFOs is that they can't come after you and sue you yeah, quite as easy. They might no, they can just... Ab- <laughs> they might <laughs> they show up on your, on your windowsill, yeah, and, uh, yeah. you know, just teleport you out of there. But aside from that, you know, if you've got cattle outside, you know, they might be in jeopardy. But aside yeah. from that... Their lips and stuff. Sometimes fellow Christians can be some of the toughest people to deal with when it comes to things like that, particularly when they don't follow scriptural guidelines. You know, you mentioned cults, and, and now you've brought up this UFO topic. It's one thing to talk about earthly cults like uh, Guyana and, you know, People's Temple and, and these things. And then, then you, you, you cross the Rubicon when you go into groups like Heaven's Gate, and these UFO cults, many of which who are still practicing and very active today. Why did you begin to focus more of your time? Because if you look at the, the, the titles of your books, more of them are focused on this particular topic uh, with yeah. UFOs. Um, and, in fact, if you don't mind, maybe just tell us here briefly to make sure we have it for the record, the titles of the books that you currently have published right now. But 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 when you do that, please tell us why you have such a heavy emphasis on the UFO uh, topic in general. Why did it intrigue you uh, as, as reflected in the majority of your books? Those are, those are very good questions. Well, I come out of an apologetics background. I was formerly associated with the late Walter Martin. That was the mm-hmm. director of the Christian Research Institute. In fact, he did my wedding with, with you know me and, when me and my wife got married. And I was, for a time, the news editor of the Christian Research Journal under, under Walter Martin. And um, I went to a conference, a New Age conference in New York City called the Whole Life Expo. And this was in the late 1980s, and about one-third of the speakers were talking about UFOs. And I was really surprised by this Mm. because I always perceived UFOs to be off on the side, something that was uh, very small. 
and fringe. But I wrote an article on the New Age movement, how it was going towards uh, how UFOlogy was being absorbed by the mainstream of the New Age movement. And that became an article. And then I began to research it further, and then I was contacted by my publisher at the time was Baker Bookhouse. And they approached me about the idea of doing a book on the UFO movement because I, I, I'm not bragging about myself at all, but I was one of the early pioneers to write about this issue. You know, if you go to the early 1980s, there really aren't very many books about from a Christian perspective on UFOs. Well, let me let me just interrupt you for a minute. In that Guy Malone, I've heard him confess that when he thought that he had had some kind of encounter like this, and he went to see if any Christians had anything to say. And if what I recollect, he said was your books are the only ones he could find in the bookstore that had anything to say with it. And I'm assuming that he wasn't alone in that, that he's just one person amongst many who was relieved to find one Christian who was brave enough to step forward and talk about a taboo subject. And we try yeah. to focus on guests like that on Future Quake, people who are bravely willing to approach issues that no one else is willing to touch. And it sounds like you, you really made a key point of that in that time of your life and, and stepping out. Yeah, that was in 1992, and that was my first book on UFOs. It was called UFOs in the New Age, and the subtitle was Extraterrestrial Messages in the Truth of Scripture. And what I tried to do in that book is I started going to all the UFO conferences in the country. I mean, I traveled like 40,000 to 50,000 miles during the research of that book, and I met all the contact, not all of them, but most of the contactees. And I began, like, hearing what the contactees were saying and, like, transcribing their messages, and I realized that their messages are absolutely anti-biblical all the way, and they were all all New Age pretty much. And mm -hmm. so I put this book together, and I talked about the growth of the UFO industry, and I talked about the what was known as a bow and peep UFO cult that was operational in the 1970s. And that turned out to later on be the Heaven's Gate UFO cult. And so when the mass suicides occurred, I believe that was in 1998, Baker Bookhouse contacted me immediately and says, can you write us another book about UFOs? And that has to do with UFO cults. And that book came out in 1998, 1999, I think it was, UFO Cults in the New Millennium, in which I discussed the fact that besides Heaven's Gate, there, are, there have been a number of dangerous UFO groups out there. Mm -hmm. And not only that, many cults out there have tendencies towards UFOs and science fiction. I mean, we're not just talking about the Church of Scientology here. We're talking about other groups out there, including the Solar Temple group, have right ingrained into their theology all kinds of outer space folklore. And so, you know, I write about other topics, but UFOs has been the thing that I've written more books about than any other topic. And it's something that um, I, I do follow. Um, you know, I, I, I try to keep up with as much as I can on it. Don't know if I'm going to be writing any more books on this topic. It was kind of funny when I finished, when I defended my doctoral thesis, and my doctoral thesis from Temple University was on plagiarism. And my uh, dissertation advisor said, please, Bill, for your academic career, don't write any more books about UFOs. Yeah. You know, because, because she thought that, you know, uh, she didn't feel that my integrity is compromised, but she didn't want me to just keep writing about this topic so much. And so mm -hmm. I branched out quite a bit. Um, but on the other hand, my books and UFOs are pretty scholarly. I mean, they're heavily footnoted. They've been used at universities. And so I'm I'm very proud of them, and I'm very proud to be part of the UFO community. Although I'm not, um, it's not the only thing I do. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, um, I appreciate the the updates you've given us on where you've come today. And and in fact, before we move on into where your interests are right now, can, can you please reiterate again the book titles 
of the okay. books that you've written to date and that are currently available? Okay, there's four books I have all together, and the first one was called Soothsayers of the Second Advent, and that was on Bible prophecy, you know, and, and this is another thing that fed into my interest in UFOs, and then I'll, I'll get into, uh, and then my second book was um, UFOs in the New Age, and that was uh, published by Baker Bookhouse in 1992, and then there was in 1994 a book about near-death experiences called Heaven Can't Wait. And that was also published by Baker Bookhouse, and that was dealing with the plethora of all these near-death experiences that seemed to be the rage for that particular era. And then in the late 90s, there was UFO cults in the new millennium. And so, frankly, I haven't written a book for for a while because from the late 90s to the early, well, about 2004, I was heavily involved in academic research. My dissertation is 498 pages long, and so... Uh, the doctoral program I was in was just, it was so taxing on, on me. It took me about seven years to get through the master's and the doctoral program. Hmm. And so I'm, now I'm back writing books, and um, I'm trying to, I'm writing one about the collapse of the mainline denominations, and maybe maybe another one, maybe some articles or scientific journals I'll be putting together on the UFO movement. And I'm really looking forward to seeing some of the new things that, that, that we'll be discussing when, when we get to Roswell, when we get together in Roswell. By the way, what was your uh, doctoral dissertation on? It was called Borrowed, uh, Sto- Borrowed or Stolen, a Survey of Plagiarism in the, Re- in the Contemporary Religious Media. Hmm. It dealt with um, another criticism within the, within the Christianity type of thing. The fact of the matter is a lot of people that are on television, on radio, um, and, and and some of the book authors, I think also, some of the Christian authors, and I'm not just dealing with Protestantism right now, are basically taking entire chapters from each other and putting their own names on them. And so <laughs> it was a very interesting, very interesting study, and it took me years to put it all together. I'm, I really don't want to get into personalities right now, but it turned out to be a much bigger problem than I thought. And the Christian publishing industry is very much aware of it. Mm-hmm. I interviewed more than 400 executives from evangelical uh, publishing houses, and uh, and they, as a result of some of my research, they're putting more steps in to try to stop uh, plagiarism and, and other and other um, very questionable topics such as uh, ghost writing. A lot of people writing uh, Christian books these days, they're not really the writers. I mean, they're hiring ghost writers to do the writing for them. And so mm. a lot of sloppiness comes into their work at this particular point. Did, did you take this idea from anybody else? <laughs> <laughs> good one, Future. <laughs> that's, nice. that's a good question. Actually, the whole idea came out of an uh, article I did out of the apologetics um, work I did in the late 1990s in which an entire Christian book is plagiarized, and I wrote an article about that for Christianity Today. And so it mm. got me thinking, actually, about this whole problem of plagiarism. Well, you know, we talk a lot about Bible prophecy on this show, and uh, thank yeah. goodness that's one area where you rarely ever see people plagiarizing each other. Uh, <laughs> only Usually there's about 5% new material in most prophecy books and about 95% rehashed stuff uh, that's been trolled around from other people. Uh, but, you know, in the research world, and, you know, I, I'm a scientist. I come from that background, and uh, I wish I had it as easy as you. I had my, my master's was only a, a year long in, in my my, dissert, my uh, thesis, but my doctoral work was a six-and-a-half year. So I, I, I feel your pain, brother, uh, in that oh, respect. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, and in these kind of academic-type works, 
uh, a lot of information is culled together from other research. It's footnoted. Uh, you know, you have to show you're aware of the state of the art, but it's handled in a responsible manner, but at the same time you're required to, to add to the discourse. And I do find in a lot of Christian work, they find new ways to repackage the same thing. It's sort of like looking at a Mexican r restaurant food. You know, they have about four food items uh, or the latest Taco Bell, and they take it and just rehash them and call them something new. But it's really yes. the same material, and that's something we see a lot, and that's why we try to find guests on Future Quake, people like Peter Goodgame and, and other folks who are really thinking out of the box uh, in our work. And I would suggest that our listeners also try to find those people as well, too, uh, You know, when they're trying to find out who they want to uh, listen to for their for their uh, reading edification. All right, we're back at the Future Quake show with Dr. Future. And Tom, big fan of the Cal State East Bay, formerly known as Cal State Hayward Bionic. Hmm. Because you're from California. Well, I, not only that, but I just lived, I, I won't say down the straight street, yeah. but I lived about 10 minutes away from there. Really? Yeah. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, city huh. people call it sort of like the city on the hill college because oh. a bunch it's up on the hill. Well, it was great to get to meet. Dr. Alnor. Yeah. Uh, Brother Bill is a fascinating guy. Mm -hmm. He has tremendous academic credentials. Yes. In uh, uh, a lot of times, uh, people we know who are very smart people have not taken the effort to get those kind of credentials. In yeah. him, and that gives him a lot more clout to do what he wants to do and to be taken seriously. Yeah. Um, I am impressed with the level of uh, intelligent thought that he brings to the conversation. He's mm -hmm. very succinct. You know, I mean, duh, he, he's a communications expert, but, you know, he still answers these things in a very intelligent, thought-out way that's uh, it's very, it's cool. Mm -hmm. I like it. It's completely <laughs> opposite to the way that I talk, which is sort of like a word salad. A word salad? <laughs> I never had thought about salad, really. Mm, salad. I was thinking more of a peanut brittle, maybe. <laughs> word Malcolm, peanut brittle? Something like yeah. that. Something that I couldn't determine with litmus paper. Yeah, there you go. Well, somebody who we can determine is our good friend Merv, who can tell you how you contact us here at FutureQuake. FutureQuake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay, that's the end of the road for today. Okay. Come back tomorrow. Until then, we hope your future is very bright. Have a good day. Ciao. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake. Welcome to the Tuesday edition of the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I am Tom, slightly tired, needing some caffeine bionic. Well, that's just from hearing me speak during the course of the week. Just think about our poor Futurian listeners out there. <laughs> you know, what's sad is the prior co-host to you did actually yeah, fall he, asleep he, live in the studio during the show. It's true. It's true. Although, you know, uh, to his credit, or not to his credit, I guess to, to defend him a little bit, he was working very, very hard mm -hmm. at that point. It happened twice. 
Oh, in the same show? Not in the same show. No, <laughs> two different shows. Two wow. different exposure scenarios. Yeah. So, anyway. Yeah. A little sore spot for Dr. Future. Sorry, man. Sorry. I was teasing you a little bit. No, but you have reason to be. You've been a hardworking man. And I'll tell you something. Somebody else who's hardworking is Dr. William Alnor, who's the <laughs> author and professor at Cal State East Bay in California, mm-hmm. talking about the spiritual agenda behind the last day's UFO phenomenon, mm-hmm. uh, a recurring theme that just keeps popping up back on the show. Like, we don't really want to cover it that much. It's just, but like, never-ending. This is big news. He'll be speaking at Roswell alongside yours mm-hmm. truly. This is the second installment of the interview. So with no further ado, here's Dr. William Alnor, and then we'll be right back to wrap it up here on Future Quake. Uh, to move on to where you're looking at now at the future, um, w- what is your current position today? I know you've said that uh, you sort of backed off from looking inwardly as far as the church goes on on some of the uh, apostate teachings and other kind of things that are going on. What is your feeling about the church as a whole and how they? What kind of emphasis should they actually give? Uh, to this issue, uh, are there certain people that you feel are called to it? Are they called in a you know a indefinite ministry to it? Uh, how do you think is a proper way the church should handle its own situation of keeping its doctrinal purity, based on your experience? Well, I think that we're challenged in the Bible to give every man an answer for that hope that is within us. So I think apologetics, uh, defending the Christian faith, should be part of what every Christian does. And so I do think that there are many ministries out there that are definitely called to this to this work. I really feel that way, and I've never really withdrawn from the apologetics community. But um, I can I could say there's some really great apologetics groups out there. I really love the work of Watchman Fellowship, and I love the work of a lot of other ministries like that. Uh, but it has to go hand in hand with the proclamation of the gospel. Right. There are some people out there that all they do is criticize. I mean, that's all they do. They just get on and just blog all the time and just rip people apart. And that's not what we should be doing, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And it has to be, as the late Walter Martin said, that apologetics is a handmaiden of evangelism. Mm-hmm. And I see some people coming at it from the wrong spirit. I mean, they're just attack pit bulls, and that's all they all they want to do. Although I don't really want to become a critic of the apologetic community. Last year, uh, you know, I spoke at one of the big conferences in apologetics, and I was very well received. I didn't have much critical to say, you know, and so I really do support a lot of apologetics ministries out there. But again, some of them don't come from the right right perspective as far as as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Well, I've had so, a past, I've had a pastor tell me uh, uh, once that you know a lot of the discernment ministries sort of run out of steam after a while, hmm. and they almost sort of get a little cynical, a little excessively cynical uh, when they sort of stay in that position, even though it's a duty that somebody has to do. It's like taking out the trash, you know. Nobody wants to do it, but it's got to be done. Um, yeah. And one thing I would I would seem like would make a sense from the body's health standpoint is that those people um, who might be best suited for doing that role in the church are those who have been on the receiving end of criticism, those who who maybe have experienced uh, uh, misunderstanding, who've been uh, you know pointed out uh, as having done stuff that other people are accusing them of motives that are not their own. And when you're on the receiving end of it, it, it helps you to sort of tread lightly and it sort of as a reminder for you to use Christian principles, even when you're doing the Lord's work and, and, and pointing out, you know, these kind of uh, missteps being taken by people. So uh, I always find, you know, the, the, the Bible is very clear about, uh, you know, do unto others as you'd have do unto you and things like that, even when you have to do unsavory tasks. A lot of it is how you do it, and I'm sure from your personal experience, uh, you've seen that at its best and worst uh, in that kind of thing. 
Yeah, I think so. And I think people that are legitimately doing apologetics in the way they should be doing it should have both feet in ministry at the same time. Right. Like, I think pastors are good people to be doing apologetics because they're dealing with people's sufferings and they're dealing with sin problems in the congregation. They're dealing with all other things, not just going after false doctrine. Hmm. I've said this before, but when you look at the gift of the Spirit and what they are, it's not a gift of the Spirit to be a cult apologist. Yeah, that's not mm. one of the gifts of the Spirit. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's like Third Corinthians or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's right. Right. So, so, but, but again, I am very, uh, I'm very supportive of apologetics. But I just wonder, and as you were saying, some of them have kind of run out of steam, and people don't listen to very much anymore. And mm-hmm. I think it's because of the, the wrong emphasis some apologists have had over the years. And, right. Uh, so I'm retooling my. I have a website called cultlink.com, and I might – I don't think I'm going to close it, but I'm going to open up, up a new emphasis type of website that deals with social issues, that deals with evangelism issues. And in the recent years, my heart is going much more towards missions as well. Wonderful. I think a great mission field, of course, is Asia, India, and those people need, need to hear apologetics as well as the gospel when they come against the Muslim and Hindu worldviews. Mm-hmm. As as well as even some more extreme facets of people who claim Christianity uh, in areas of Africa and places like that as well too. Uh, yes, they may come under the guise of Christianity, but are far outside the mainstream of what we consider Orthodox Christianity. You know, I, I'm glad you brought this up because I wanted to ask you next about um, what what your motivations are right now. You you alluded to the fact that as far as books go, you're interested in doing some work related to Islam. Uh, issues of feminism uh, in, in these related areas. And you've just mentioned, in your, as far as your website goes, you want to try to balance it with uh, evangelistic-type uh, fervor, a missionary kind of thing. Are there some other issues that are really uh, key, you know, in the news kind of issues today that really have your attention right now that may influence your activities here in the days ahead? Yeah, I think the gr- the growing apostasy within the mainline denominations, and you see, like Larry King has guests on all the time, and some of them are spokespersons from denominations, and and a lot of them are are proclaiming what we would always refer to as universalism, that mm-hmm. many paths go to God, and this is the tenor of the day we have, and I do, and I'm happy that you guys are there to be talking about Bible prophecy a lot, because in Revelation chapter 17 and and chapter 18 it talks about a coming one-world religion. Mm-hmm. And so that's something that I'm very concerned about. And ufology, ufology fits into this to a certain degree as well. And so we're seeing like a growing religion of universalism at this particular point, and that's something that I'm very, very concerned about. Mm-hmm. Right. So different asset, uh, aspects of yes. the ecumenical movement, yes. the fact that they can actually justify dovetailing this into the New Age worldview yeah. and, and sort of slightly Christianize it. And there's some movements... In, in our religious world right now, in the Judeo-Christian world, they're acting as bridges uh, to try to join these. They maybe or could be considered transitional movements. Uh, and, and it's not always – sometimes they can be generally good movements, but there can be players within them. Uh, you know, there, there's probably some aspects of, for example, emergent church activities that are things that long needed to be said. But there are also aspects within that group that can do some things to really contort and distort general orthodox belief about Christianity. Oh, sure. And I would assume they wouldn't be alone in that aspect, that there there could be some good, some good with a little leaven moved into a lot of these aspects that create the real problems. 
Yeah, and, and in my field of media, we have like a concerted attempt by the media, I think, to try to destroy Christianity any way they can. I mean, the latest example is a new Angels and Demons movie coming out, which takes a, it basically implies that Christianity has been a conspiracy now for many, many centuries. And um, and I just think there's a focused attention right now on trying to destroy the Bible and the gospel message coming from multiple fronts. Mm-hmm. I mean, the past several years, some of the biggest bestsellers have been books that have attacked the integrity of the Word of God. And so this is yet another concern I have at, at this particular mm-hmm. point. Well, you know, even the state right now doesn't trust Christians. Uh, if, you, if you look at the, the Missouri police and even Department of Security, they, they consider people with traditional evangelical belief systems as being yeah. terroristic enemies of the state. So we're getting it yeah. from all fronts these days. And again, yeah. the, the, the Bible has said, it is written, that this is these are things that are going to happen. Um, yeah. What... Uh, what has your research led you now, now? Now we're sort of really going into this core issue we want to talk about. What, yes. what has your research led you to believe is behind the possible true explanation for the UFO phenomenon? And what information do you find in the Bible to support your position? Well, I began looking at UFOs partly from a whole, just the heresy point of view, but also looking at it from Bible prophecy. And one of the things that really got me, astonished me, again, I'm one of the pioneers of writing about this years ago, was the fact that if there's a rapture that comes, and I do believe in the rapture, I shouldn't have said if there's a rapture coming, but a lot of people in the UFOs have a built-in explanation for it ahead of time. That if there's a lot of people that vanish mm-hmm. from planet Earth, all of a sudden, you know, they'll know that it's, they'll think that we're going into the next, uh, you know, the next portal or something like that. And so, um, I I just think that all of this is related to Bible prophecy and and a general great delusion that the Bible talks about in Second Thessalonians that's coming upon the whole planet and this feeds very much into it and it's part of the whole Hollywood scenario as well. I don't know if that answered your complete question, but uh, that's just some of my thoughts right now. When did the light bulb click on your head where you took this what people think is a crazy idea about UFOs? And actually, um, made you think. Hmm. I think the Bible has answers for this. I think there's a a biblical explanation for this. What What was the critical thing that turned you to put the pieces together? I think when I started attending UFO conventions, actually. There was one moment, I just remember this now that we're talking about it. One of the early critical books in UFOs was a book called uh, UFOs Operation Trojan Horse. It was written by a man by the name of John Keel, who was not a Christian at all. You know, In fact, he uh, really didn't live a Christian lifestyle, didn't th- think too much of Christianity. But after I identified myself to John Keel, because he was talking about UFOs being demonic and possibly even evil. Right. And I said, well, I'm at this convention, and I, I'm happy to meet you, Mr. Keel. I've been following your work, and I think it's really good. And, and I've been researching UFOs now for the past six months. And he said to me, well, um, uh, um, uh, he said, well, uh, in your research, do you find that the lights are coming, turning on and off by themselves? Uh, is the television turning on and off by itself? Is there poltergeist activity now beginning to take place in your house? And I said, well, I don't think not in my case. But he goes, most people, when they start investigating UFOs, that's what happens. They'll be attacked by poltergeist activity. Wow. So very early on, I felt that it was related directly to the realm of demons. And I think mm. all of my research asserted that, and all of my research proved that. Wow. And that's interesting that they would use uh, 
a book like that would be actually be used to help you put the pieces together. Um, yeah, yeah, because he he learned that a lot of the names of UFOs from previous from even centuries ago were also names used by demonic entities, and you'll still wow. find that today. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of UFO people are are channeling who they claim is Ashtar or the Ashtar Command. Well, Ashtar is Ishtar, and part of the Baal worship system that's mm-hmm. discussed extensively in the in the Old Testament, and even in, even before that time as well. Mm-hmm. Right, and I've I've seen Isis's name come up several times lately yes. in some of the uh, words, which are, which they're all sort of related. You're, we're basically talking about the Babylonian mystery woman uh, and her various facets and garbs that he, she she appears to us like this. So so you know some people would say that this is actually just a reflection of the collective subconscious, that people take take this knowledge from mythology and things they've heard, they have it you know, embedded in their subconscious, and it's making manifest. But, but I assume you don't buy that, that there is an independent I, entity well, that's identifying and purposely identifying themselves this way, and it's not people's minds telling them that's right. what they're saying. Well, Freud thought that, that it's partly the, the, the mind, and I can see his point of view, but I don't buy it. You're right, you know. Another key book in my early years was reading Jacques Vallée's works, um, yeah. Operation um, Messengers of Deception, mm-hmm. and he kind of talked about there is an entity behind all these experiences that were here for evil purposes and not good purposes whatsoever. And so, no, I don't buy it's just part of the collective consciousness, but I, but I buy a little bit of that idea. I think that that right now Hollywood has put so much of an emphasis on our minds about UFOs that I think that when, if there is like a, a landing that takes place in the near future, people will be quite well prepared for it ahead of time. Mm-hmm. And so when people have dreams and sometimes there's these little gray aliens sometimes, um, um, they might think that they're real entities from outer space, but what they are in reality dealing with in many cases might be demons, probably are demons as a matter of fact. Mm-hmm. So I believe that the UFOs is part of the realm of shadows, but it's also directly related to the realm of demons and demonology. And that's one of the main topics I'll be speaking about in Roswell. In fact, you know, my topic is about demonology and UFOs over the centuries. And, and more researchers like yourself attribute these, whoever these entities are, as being possibly something more akin to interdimensional than necessarily yeah. coming from a planet X light years away. Absolutely. And they have well, you know, today we have, they're usually little men that come out of spacesuits and one-piece jumpsuits. Well, in the Middle Ages, they were known as gnomes or fairies or Nephilim or incubi, you know, but they were always identified until our, our, our current era as demonic, but today somehow we think they're, they're good. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's been one of the interesting things. They're always like little people, or often with big eyes, just like we have today. It's startling to see some of the early drawings of fairies and and gnomes, you know, from the Middle Ages, and they mm-hmm. look just like aliens look today. You know, yeah. So, uh, yeah. I wonder what their mission would have been then. You know, to me, it's a little clear what their mission might be in, if we are in the last days today. But I wonder through the ages what they would have been up to. I, I can't imagine their main concern was be guarding pots of gold. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I think the main emphasis of anything demonic is to keep our focus away from Jesus Christ. As Mm -hmm. I wrote in my book, UFO Cults, UFOs in the New Age, one of the uh, behind part of the alien agenda is getting us to look at the sky instead of the God who made the sky. Mm -hmm. And so that's one of the insidious deceptions about ufology in general. 
I've seen people that have just started getting involved with UFO research, and within 10 to 15 years, they're crazy because that's all they're doing. Right. You know, they're just they're just totally rooted in UFOs, and they've lost all touch with reality. Um, hmm. I forget whether there's a researcher that talked about they suspend their even their belief system after a while because they're just so used to weirdness all the time that that's all they want to hmm. want to do. Well, you know we've. Uh We've talked to a number of people here, including a number of our guests, who have done some of the most productive work as Christians mm-hmm. in this field, and have always encouraged them to stay plugged into a local church, and yes. stay plugged in to just regular, what we would call mundane ministry, simple ministry in your local church, so you don't get like that, like you just explained, because we've certainly seen there are people who have been on the fringes of that as well. Uh, and it can be something that can be all-consuming, and we've also told our listeners as well, uh, on this topic or other esoteric-type topics that we talk about on this show, even being a well-meaning Christian and want to focus on a Christian worldview on things, you need to balance with service, ministry, other aspects, and getting involved with other local believers, uh, because when you're a lone wolf just uh, dealing with people over the Internet on these issues, it will take you and deviate you. And, and it's a reminder, too, like you say, that when we when we get our eyes off Jesus and off promoting the, the person and work of Jesus Christ, we're doing the work of demons in the aspect that we're taking everyone's eyes off of Jesus Christ. So they don't need any help uh, in their business mm. in doing that. Yeah, in my book I called this phenomena when people get totally obsessed by this, almost like cosmic, cosmic tail chasing. And uh, I get all kinds of emails from people asking me questions that I can't possibly know the answers for, whether or not the Nazis were in contact with UFOs and all these strange ideas keep coming forward. And they're just not grounded. They're just uh, they're just totally transfixed by the whole idea of mm-hmm. aliens in outer space. And, mm-hmm. and, and I think part of the deception, and I love science fiction. By the way, I like the new Star Trek movie. I thought that was really good. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> Yeah, but but part of it is science fiction is so fascinating in all aspects of it. I think there's, I mean, just the idea that just like Christopher Columbus discovered this new world that maybe someday we'll be able to reach out to other worlds is fascinating. And, of mm-hmm. course, with the American and Russian successes with the space program, there's a lot of people that look forward to the time when we can actually visit other worlds. But yet that can become part of the part of the deception, actually. Right. Well, I'm hoping to have Dr. Michael Heiser with me if that happens so he can translate for me. That's right. That's I think right. I think he'll see a lot of folks that he recognizes, you know, in these other groups. I uh, think just the fact that Michael's coming to this conference at Roswell's reason for people to show up. If, if he would just show up just by himself, that's reason yeah. for people to come. I mean, he's True. such a brilliant mind, and he's he's mm-hmm. a good friend of mine. So I'm really happy mm-hmm. he'll be there as well. well. You know, even when he just reads from the phone book, I find it enlightening. Much less that's his right. regular <laughs> research that he does. Uh, now, regarding Bible passages, are there any passages in the Bible in your research? that really jumped out at you as having a um, smoking gun, at least suggestion, if not evidence, that this had this kind of connection to the UFO and demonological uh, issue, and particularly from an end times perspective, maybe an explanation of their increase in activity. Well, I think that in Matthew 24, and it talks about lying, well, it talks about in three different areas in Matthew 24. It's also called the Olivet Discourse. It talks about take care that no one will deceive you. Many will come claiming to be Christ. And if you look at what these messages are from the contactees, they're all claiming to be speaking for Jesus or they're claiming to be Christ, actually. Some of these UFO cults teach that, that Lucifer and Jesus are, are brothers, 
You know, the uh, I forget the name, the, the um, Raelian movement teaches just that. And so I think that Matthew 24 talks about the biggest sign of the end times being like an increase in deception. I think also Second Timothy chapter 4 talks about all of, uh, um, as the time gets closer, all kinds of lying signs and wonders. I believe that's where the, the passage is. And I think Second Timothy chapter four talks about that. And there's just a number of other verses that that, and of course Second Corinthians, I think it's um, chapter eleven, talks about uh, Satan masquerading as an angel of light. How many times have these aliens showed up and people thought they were angels of light? You know. So I think that the, uh, I've kind of looked at this issue from as as like a heresy and apostasy issue. At the same time, it's been a heavy delusion put upon humankind. And and also Second Thessalonians talk, chapter 2 talks about God sending people a strong delusion that's somehow related to the end times. Mm-hmm. Now there's some controversial things that I could get into that I really don't want to very much, but I find Genesis chapter 6 very interesting about the Nephilim. Yeah. You know, um, there's different ways of looking at that, but I'm persuaded that Maybe these Nephilim could have been fallen angels. You know, I don't really buy the line that they were the line of Seth. Or, you know, I just think that the best explanation for that is that it might have been the the rise of a of a of a, of a different race. And when people talk about some of the experimenting going on with with flesh, you know, both animals and cattle and right. things like that, I sometimes feel that there could be some kind of end time genetic delusion that might come upon planet Earth as well. In other words, rehashing what they were doing in Genesis chapter 6, helping to influence the flood as well, too? Yes. As it says, as it was in the day of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Well, you know, I've mentioned this a few times on air to our listeners, but I have suspected many times for a bunch of reasons that the whole reference to the fig trees are not a reference to the nation of Israel, unlike the olive tree. And I know there's other mainstream prophecy authors who would also agree with me. Uh, I don't know if it's a majority opinion, but at least there's a number of mainstream ones that would. Uh, Because I always find these figs mentioned uh, in line with the stars falling from heaven. Whether you look at, I believe, Isaiah 34 or in Matthew 24, they're just a few verses away from this. And then in Revelation, you see them falling again, falling from the sky like... uh, uh, figs falling from a fig tree, yeah. uh, and when you learn more about figs and find out that they were considered false fruit that actually were artificially inseminated by wasp, there are more and more indications that suggest there's more analogies to what these are and what we're just talking about right now. Mm. And and when Jesus talked about the parable of fig tree, when you see the leaves tender, that these things are very near at the door. It just made me wonder and speculate if this is a sort of an allusion to the fact that increases in activity like this are the signs that uh, maybe the falling of all the stars from heaven is just around the corner. Yes. And then you have other references in the book of Revelation that strongly implies a lot of demonic activity over the planet Earth at that point. You have a mountain falling into the ocean. You have, like, wormwood occurring. You have a number of other things that Mm -hmm. all could, if you really look at it, it all could be related to the UFO phenomena. And the abyss. And I think it's all headed toward this somehow because... I, I, I just am amazed. I mean, you go on the Discovery Channel, the History Channel. I think that UFOs is probably the most popular subject. It's just something that not only does it not go away, it keeps getting stronger and stronger and stronger all mm-hmm. the time. That's right. We're back at Future Quake with Dr. Future and Tom Bionic. 
You like that Mexican uh, <laughs> soccer guy? No! Yeah, I love where he goes. He'll go for like 30 seconds and then take a breath and then start going, oh! Is that right? That sort of cheats a little bit. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, Dr. Eleanor, one of the neat things I've heard him talk about over the last few days is the fact that he was called into a role to really hold other ministers accountable, mm-hmm. which is an important role that sometimes has to be done. It's not it's not one that's given a lot of credit. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he said in hindsight, over time, he's, he's sort of changed. It is not quite as intense. Strength, yeah about it as he was trying to even better word um which i find just is a neat maturity that i wish i'd hear more christian leaders say well yeah i would hope i would uh, hope i would grow in my christian faith i would learn it's, it's interesting that you mention that because i find myself softening and trying to be both consciously and i think subconsciously too more loving to everybody who mm-hmm. calls himself a christian the patient you yeah. know, empathetic, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. Someone who's very empathetic to us is our friend Merv, mm-hmm. who will come in and love each one of you while he tells you how you can contact us here at FutureQuake. FutureQuake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay, that's it. That's it for the love for today. <laughs> no more love. No uh, more love, no more grace. Well, no you'll have mercy. to get more tomorrow here yeah. at Future Quake. But until then, we hope your future is very bright. Have a good day. Bye. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. 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 Welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. And I'm Tom Bionic. What's with the... I'm just trying something different. <laughs> oh. You know, we we talk about some ominous topics, and I'd, I'd like to sort of give the feel a little We've bit gotta more. We've got to get some, got to get some reverb on this thing. You know. Does this thing have any reverb? Right, ladies and gentlemen, it's welcome. To, great to be with you today. If you're a new listener, you probably think that crazy people have taken over the studio, and you'd be right. But uh, this is a normal Future Quake show. We could throw some effects on your voice. But, you know, we we speak about some of these ominous topics. And uh, thank goodness we always have the joy of the Lord. We Indeed. know the Lord will be Man. victorious over all this, it's like, no matter how intense these topics are. That's the best thing of all. And I try to give a little atmospheric feel every now and then. But, Sunday, uh, Sunday, Sunday. I think you pretty much ruined that for me with, with that intro oh, there. Oh, watch me. Well, one thing, I, I, hope you won't, the wall. I hope you won't ruin the intro that we now have for Dr. William Alnor who is the author and professor at Cal State East Bay in California, talking about the spiritual agenda behind the last day's UFO mm-hmm. phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been a very interesting talk. He's somebody long overdue. Um, I like ideally suited for us. Mm-hmm. Very good speaker. Mm-hmm. Very. You mean his, his diction and use of language? Yes. and very. I like the fact that his he's free of uh, any sort of strange syntax and uh, uh, is remarkably succinct in all of his answers. Mm-hmm. While still well, being, I'm more of a content kind of guy. Well... If you've ever heard me speak, you know that uh, I'm very content-free. 
So no, that's not true. <laughs> that's not true. Content has never bothered me. I have none. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I just try to show my distinctive Kentucky accent whenever I can. But with no further ado, here's Dr. William Alnor, and then we'll be right back to wrap it up here on Future Quake. Focusing on the message, can you give us some specific messages, some bullet points of some the kind of messages that these uh, celestial travelers give to their uh, contactees that they give that they disseminate out to the faithful? What what, are, what what is part of the doctrine of these entities? Well, the doctrine appears to be like uh, moving towards a one-world government. Mm-hmm. Uh, it appears to be uh, towards uh, moving into a brand new time period in human history. Um, I wish I could find a quote real quickly from my book, <laughs> but uh, but I kind of there's a book that Brad Steiger wrote. He's been a major UFO writer for a long time, and he was saying that he wrote a book called The Fellowship, which which he tried to he called it like the Space Brothers Apocrypha, in which you know, he tried to put everything down into one or two paragraphs, but it was like one world government, the unification of all races, and the unification of all religions. And that's essentially what ufology teaches, along with a smattering of, of New Age teachings, such as reincarnation and things like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, now they talk about the unification of, of religions, but classical Judeo-Christian belief systems haven't really been well received by these groups, have they not? Uh, classical Christian groups, no, have not received no, this I, at all. No, no. What I'm saying is, is that those who believe this message from the Space Brothers, um, they believe in unity of religions, but it's always on their terms. In oh, other words, the, the beliefs yes. of, of traditional Judeo-Christian beliefs of original sin, of atonement, of blood sacrifice, of uh, repentance, of sin, lordship. These are not concepts that they're willing to accept or adopt. They're, they're, they're definitely of the New Age variety of we are all becoming gods. These beings are going to help us to be gods, correct? So, so, so they have a hard time assimilating the Judeo-Christian worldview. In fact, you're absolutely right with what you're saying. In fact, a lot of uh, really die-hard UFO enthusiasts believe that when the New World Order comes, that the Christians are all going to be removed from planet Earth, or anyone that doesn't mm-hmm. go along with, it, with, with what they would consider to be the New Age plan. And some of them even believe there's going to be a mass removal of people that think in, the, in, the, in terms of the old ways. And what's the old ways? Well, Christianity is the old-time religion. Mm-hmm. And so it's like... The number one enemy, as far as a lot of people involved with UFOs, is Christianity. Mm-hmm. And it's been that way for a long time, actually. Well, last summer, when I spoke at Montreal at this United Nations and World Council of Churches conference on religion and spirituality, the goal was definitely to create a one-world religion. But the UFO cult religion was a major part of it. And this is something the United Nations was funding and World Council of Churches. But... The, the UFO religion and their message was the main thing that was adopted by the majority of the people in that group. And uh, my uh, assistant pastor and I, who uh, went there, no one knew who we were as we were walking into the place, uh, my assistant pastor asked uh, one of the people attending, which, by the way, almost all of these people were psychotherapists or were people who were state certified from where they were located to actually be licensed uh, state therapists for children and other groups being paid for by the state. And they're the ones who have these belief systems. And uh, he, he asked me, he says, you know, this seems like such an inclusive group here we've just been exposed to. He said, is there anyone who's really not accepted in this particular group? And the guy thought for a minute, he says, really, the, the only people who are not welcome are people who take the Bible literally. 
So so that takes that tells you right there wow. basically who's the odd man out as far as fitting in with with what's coming and and this is something that has the endorsement not only of the United Nations again which you think of as a political group you know why are they involved in religious matters but then you have the World Council of Churches which is a pseudo Christian organization but yet they have their own agenda and it's definitely not evangelical in the agenda that they have. Absolutely. Well, one of the um, years ago, a, a Christian ministry that I was involved with, we took out a booth at a UFO conference, and wow. we were met with so much hostility that it was I'll just it was staggering. Yeah, it was, it was, and, but as we were there praying, some of them couldn't channel their entities, and so they were really angry at us. And, of <laughs> course, the reason for that is that the Lord Jesus was with us. You know, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Amen. Amen. But it was just um, absolutely staggering how hostile the UFO movement is towards towards evangelical Christianity. Uh, and do, do you sense that they get a little peeved even when evangelical Christians start even looking into this area that we're, we're marching in on their turf when we, we try to take the Bible and try to understand what's going on from our cosmology and worldview? I, I, I sense that quite a bit when I've been around them. Yeah, I think so. I think they do. They don't think we could possibly understand because we're part of the old order, the old thinkers and the old way of looking at things. And so, yes, I think they really are a, a bit annoyed when Christians begin researching it. And so that's one reason – well, that's not one of the reasons I started researching it, but I really wanted to know. I really have like an inquiring mind, so to speak. I, I've always – you know, as a mainstream reporter for a number of years, I always wanted to get to the bottom of any, every, anything I'm investigating. And so – when I started going to UFO conventions, I didn't go there as a, quote, evangelical Christian. I went there as an investigator and really just left any personal – and I didn't have any personal agendas. I went where the where the facts led me, and it, sh- and it showed conclusively that the UFO movement mostly is a very spiritual movement and spiritual in the wrong way. It's, just, it's, it's really the, the religion of the dark side in so many ways, and it became um, – just a um you know like like something that's very very sinister in almost all of its aspects actually you know that's a very good point because the the, the aspect of the activity of the UFO community in terms of making measurements doing hard scientific analysis things like that it's there but it's definitely a small subset the, the those who espouse the spiritual aspects of it certainly dominate mm-hmm. the activities within ufology uh, itself um, why are our government officials, both domestic and within the United Nations, so interested in this topic? I think that because if, if there's something real to this topic, if, if the government is in touch with other civilizations, it, um, it could be potentially dangerous, I think, for it to filter down to the people. I'm not saying that our government is involved with it, but I think the government is very concerned with a couple of things not letting um, – to discredit the UFO community. There have been books written about this particular topic, a number of books. The government has always seems to be discrediting the UFO community. And um, so that's one of the reasons. I'm not so sure what some, some of the other reasons are why the government is so concerned well, about this. Well, you know, in one hand, they criticize and they make light of those who raise these issues. Yes. But in the other hand, we have more and more evidence that there are public officials – who are strongly supportive of this. And it's yes. not just people of the liberal or left persuasion. Uh, there are a few folks, and in fact, uh, Dr. Stephen Greer, when he spoke in Montreal last year, talked yes. about a prior CIA director who's considered to be a staunch conservative 
his name escapes me right now. He's a bald-headed gentleman who was just a few years ago during the Clinton administration's uh, CIA director. But uh, he actually was inviting over guys like Dr. Greer for dinner parties to find out what these extraterrestrials are saying. And there are many other figures within the Beltway who are inviting these people in to try to find out what's really going on. I would compare it akin to what may have been 100 years ago when you had high-level officials that were inviting in uh, channelers for seances. Yes. Uh, or they were, they were going to see uh, the sleeping prophet. Uh, they were going to go see Ed, We had several presidents that went to go see Edgar Cayce. And, and came to, came to uh, Hodgensville to go on and have the, their, you know, not Hodgensville, excuse me. Uh, um, I just blanked out. It's up the road here from us uh, in Kentucky where uh, Hopkinsville, where he lived, oh, yeah. and they would actually uh, get readings by him. And there's been a fascination. They don't advertise this. It's very akin to what you see with Saul, where he go to, went in quiet to the Witch of Endor. And, yeah. and and people in power, whether they had a Dr. John D. in the court of, of Queen Elizabeth or they had uh, augers and uh, Delphi oracles or whatever, people in power, even though they don't want to show it publicly, have this interest. We know Lawrence Rockefeller had considerable sway over the Clintons, both Bill and Hillary, in signing on for this whole disclosure process. But there are both conservative and uh, liberal uh, people in Washington. Now we have John Podesta who's willing to come out on the record and say that he believes they're hiding something about extraterrestrials, wants to see it unveiled. Bill Richardson has a number of people. And I'm just wondering why are these people starting to be so bold to step forward and say there's something there? What, what do you think is their agenda right now? Well, I wonder myself, and it leads me to possibly believe that there's going to be some kind of unveiling of something in the future. You know, whether or not there's going to be some type of government announcement that, oh, yeah, we have been in touch with aliens from the other side or that we do have some kind of technology in the future. This has been hinted at by a number of Hollywood movies. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I got back a couple of weeks ago from seeing the movie called Knowing. And, and if you oh, at the gosh. end of that movie, yeah. you know, there is a UFO evacuation. And so in people's minds, and now it's more than 50% of all of Americans not only believe in UFOs, but they believe they're being piloted by aliens from other planets. A lot of people think that some kind of contact is inevitable any, sometime even soon, and a lot of people feel that way these days. And so when the government expresses more of an interest, it could be that they're just tuned into what the people's wishes are, but some, taking a more cynical point of view, might be using this for something that they might want to unveil sometime in the future. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's why I think these are particularly interesting days. And for our listeners, who this topic is really just even too far out for them, mm -hmm. uh, even if you're a regular Future Quick listener, um, I would suggest you not so quickly dismiss it, not necessarily have to embrace a particular view of what it, the phenomenon just is. Just take it and file it in the back of your mind. Just be expected that you're going to hear more about this in the future, and it's probably in some shape or form going to have a prophetic implication you know, that someone will exploit for their purposes. It's interesting, though. He mentioned, uh, uh, he mentioned knowing, uh, and I know that you've seen it and mentioned stuff. I've had no less than half a dozen people come up to me in the last two weeks mm -hmm. and say, have you seen that movie Knowing? Yeah. And I said, yeah, well, I haven't seen it, but I've heard a lot about it. And they said, it looks like some crazy New World Order right. UFO cult religion propaganda. Well, they had their pseudo rapture mm -hmm. of all the yeah. young people. And what's really scary is that they're taking our young people. They, they yeah. take precious children and, and carry them off. 
in creating their own Garden of Eden with their own Tree of Life and some other planet hmm. before yeah. destruction happens on the earth. But but it's really sad. You see, you see some van, some old van that says something like Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, or something akin to that, yeah. wrecked on the side of the road. But you see a pastor that the lead guy's pastor who, uh, you know, he's saying, look, there's still future, you know, there's something in all of this and what's going on. Talking from a biblical standpoint, and his son knows that the aliens are really the ones behind all this. And he says, that's okay, Father, I know, I know that he has a higher illuminated understanding than the simplistic primitive Christians. Whoa. Even though what they've, what they've shown in drawings and things are, are that all the visions of the prophets were merely manifestations of extraterrestrials in the past. And it's just repeatedly, it's, it's even not so subtly presented over and over again. And you've got a movie like Watchmen where uh, I, I, don't, I think this one part is a deviation from the movie from the book. But uh, in the book, they actually uh, created a simulated alien attack of New York to destroy it with the yeah. guise of actually uniting the world's religions, or world's countries, excuse me, the, the uh, political countries together well, uh, under a character that looks to me a lot like an Antichrist figure. Well, and wasn't the Deception. Watchman, the guy who wrote the Watchman, uh, big into occultism? He's one of the top occultists yeah. in uh, witches in the world. He's a warlock, yeah. and he's, uh, he worships Glycon, a, a Roman snake god. Uh, this is this is a gentleman who writes the most popular movie that we have out right now. Uh, yeah. Speaking, we're 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 talking and alluding to some media, uh, particularly <laughs> through movies. And you wonder why I don't watch TV. Yeah, I don't, I don't blame <laughs> you. Yeah, I don't even watch uh, Huckleberry Hound anymore. I'm worried about the subliminal programming there. Um, what are other facets of how the media is prepping society? regarding this issue, and, and what are some examples of those actions? We mentioned a couple of movies there. Are, are there other examples that you know of, of where they're really prepping people, and what do you think is the media's role in this overall agenda? I think the people that generally get in, into the media, and that you know, I come out of the media, I'll come into it from an anti-Christian point of view just for starters, let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. And the media is always looking for something sensational or something that's not in the mainstream and like, and they don't. And when something, someone comes up talking about an occult idea, they tend to glamorize it rather than looking critically at is this person legitimate at all. One of the things the media is really starting to get in, in, into a funk over, or not, not in a, that's not a good term to use, but but in a um, rollover is this concept about what's going to happen in the year 2012. Mm-hmm. Whenever the um, whenever the portal opens again, what December 23rd, I think 2012 or something like that, I think it is. And so the media is parting a, a lot of attention on things like that in the Mayan calendar. And I think that um, when you look at the types of people writing the Hollywood movies and producing Hollywood films and doing all kinds of other things like that, even the Hollywood talk shows, they're emphasizing things that are occultic. And so it's by looking at the media, it's kind of looking at the soul of who's actually in charge of Hollywood these days. And it's, and it's not uh, the soul of Christians or it's not the mind of Christ in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. Even, um, and anything that is um, remotely controversial, the media tries to highlight. And so people think that, um, you know, we should be, that, that there's always a, um, a, a secondary point of view other than the traditional explanation. Mm-hmm. I think another aspect is so many people are just tied into conspiracy ideas all the time that not, does, doesn't just come through the media, 
but also through the Internet and a number of other sources as well. And so mm-hmm. that's part of the whole picture also. Well, one of the things about the media is that when all else fails, they like to make money. Yes, so absolutely. So they would show whatever kind of perversion or if it was an untruth or something with no redeeming value. If it made money and put line in their pockets, and you particularly see that in the the kind of movies that they run that you can watch uh, – you know, Showtime or what's on the third feature at the drive-in or whatever, something that has really no artistic or redeeming value, but you're able to cash checks on it by appealing yeah. to the lowest common denominator with people. And, and and they're not beyond that in this respect. But, you know, you're you're talking about them glamorizing uh, the, these, these alternative extreme kind of opinions. Just think about Miss California in the Miss Universe pageant. If she yeah, had right. gone and said in her, in her yeah. question that she was a Wiccan, or that she yeah. was a lesbian, not only would she probably have won that pageant, but she would have been the darling of the media. She would have been. I think on, so. Yeah, I was just thinking about that when you were talking about it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. She she would have been on the uh, David Letterman. She would have been on the Today Show. All of these other kind of things, and they would have been fascinated by her because of this uh, exotic nature that she has. Yeah. But the thing that they would find most distasteful is that she would have a traditional spiritual viewpoint about things that would influence her decisions. So yeah. uh, I think the money element is something those of us who are always looking for some mystical explanation or cabal overlook, that sometimes it's just the, the almighty dollar. But many yeah. times the, the, these people who run these groups are really into strange and mysterious religions themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of these people who are big titans in industry, mm-hmm. I was reading about one the other day who actually uh, built a massive shrine, a Babylonian shrine, in their own backyard uh, that people will come and actually worship at. What was that? What was that medium? Sometimes religiously, yeah, religious leaders yeah. even have done that. Well, and there was Lawrence Rockefeller, of course, who uh, pushed very heavily for that UFO religion mm-hmm. thing during under the Clinton administration. Right. Yeah. Right. So, so, so the the media is by not any stretch mainstream, just in their personal activities and tastes and desires. So it would be natural that that would come through in what they select to highlight uh, of, of society. But talking yeah. about them as one group, let's let's look over all of the different aspects of society. Do do you believe that there are uh, other groups on Earth? that are involved in this deception? If this is going to be a massive deception, do you think they're currently planning right now? I'm talking about groups and organizations here that are part of some kind of group planning, maybe in communication with entities, maybe directly, maybe only indirectly, but uh, I'm already scheming something right now to pull this off. And if so, do you have any hunches on who these kind of groups may be? Well, I think there are groups that are scheming some kind of conspiracies in the future, but I think there's a lot of them. Uh, I don't know if there's any one overriding group that's trying to put anything in particular together. I know that um, a comment a little while ago is a lot of things are money-driven, and that's kind of the way I see it at this point. It's almost like the old Watergate film when Deep Throat says to Woodward and Bernstein, just follow the money. Right. And and uh, But I think that um, – there's a lot of people that want to push this towards 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 a new new age movement and a one world government that if they see an opportunity for them to do that they will absolutely do that. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Uh, you know, I've heard some figures that people have talked to, those who are in discernment ministries that are well known in Christian circles that have said there have even been some people who have had influence on top evangelical leaders that also have New Age connections and have retreat centers, yes. mm-hmm. places you maybe know what I'm alluding to here. Yes, absolutely. That have places where they very subtly try to 
be the rudder and steer the direction of these people to be influenced by these things. Yeah, and I think some of our most famous pastors, I think, have been influenced to a certain degree by some people like this without mm -hmm. mentioning any names. Mm -hmm. wow. Well, feel free to mention names if you like. Don't let us stop you. Okay. <laughs> uh, but, but uh, you know, these groups, it seems like the agenda is very – it becomes very obvious if you study them in detail. In fact, a lot of times their own writings betray them. Uh, yeah. The groups that uh, that I met and saw at the UN meeting, it, uh, the UN representative themselves basically said that that were there representing the institution that this was all part of an agenda that they were driving. So so they, they you know of course I, they didn't send a press release out to the general public, but those who were in attendance it became very very real that j just having everybody get along and respect each other's borders was not the main purpose of the United Nations or the leadership that was there. Uh, you know, th this is just another NGO that's actually deciding the fate of everyone else and, and, and what's going on. Are there other elements, segments of society that you suspect are really pushing this a lot? We've alluded to some that have connections in the religious world. Are, are there others, you think? Well, I think the leftist agenda in this country wants to move everything towards a peace plan, and I think some Christians have bought into that, the idea that we could, if we just start talking to one another and uh, we can bring peace. And I think some organizations that support AIDS research, and, and I support AIDS research myself. I don't give any money to it, but what I'm trying mm -hmm. to say is that there are some organizations out there that um, – they, they want to go along with all kinds of ideas to try to bring the world together in whatever way possible, even if it might affirm causes that traditional Christians don't really believe in. And I think that um, all this is being used to unite the world under the banners of various people that, that w w want to lead, actually. Well, one we haven't mentioned yet that would be a, a classic one would be the environmental movement. The yes. environment, if you talk to the typical environmental people, well, in fact, if you just look at uh, movies like the, the New, The Day the Earth Stood Still, or other yes. new movies, they will use damage to the environment as a catalyst for the Space Brothers to come, to tell us to knock yes. it off, and to use an iron fist if they have to, to take autocratic mm. control. And the UN is actually matching that approach by taking a, a tight-fisted autocratic approach toward freedom of countries around the world under the guise of environmental regulations. Yes, I would agree with you as well. It's, it's, that's been one of the big hot-button issues. Everything is going green these days, and so definitely I agree with you on that. Okay, we're back here at Future Quake with Dr. Future. And Tom, still a big fan of Cal State East Bay Bionic. Well, that's good. I'm glad that's not changed. Mm -mm. In fact, um, it's maybe even increased a little more. Any thoughts have changed regarding this topic of well, UFOs and the Bible? Well, one of discussion? the little tidbits that I found fascinating uh, was the fact that he said whenever these researchers would go and investigate the UFO stuff from a strictly just sort of what's going on here background, uh, poltergeist activity would begin to manifest itself mm -hmm. in the in the home. And I wonder if that's what happens on on the phone when we get weird garbled stuff when well, we have I'll, I'll tell you Russ what. Dizdar or people like that. I'll on. tell you what when when we did the Russ Dizdar thing about halfway through that I decided I was just going to like pray for the show here quietly right and. Uh, the dropouts only occurred when I stopped, and I was like, oh, well, we haven't had any dropouts, so I guess I'll stop. And then not mm. ten seconds later, some sort of weird thing, mm. and then I start praying again, and then it was fine. So we could just have like a prayer wheel for Skype, 24-hour, for everybody a, using it. A prayer it. wheel? You yeah. know, you do it for 24 hours, you oh. know? Uh, is that like the Taoist thing where you write the prayers on the no, paper? No, no, it's nothing it? like swinging it or making any clicking sounds or anything okay. like that. I don't know what you're talking about, man. Yeah, well, I'll show you in the Bible where it talks about okay. it. I think it's in Ezekiel. 
Well, ladies and gentlemen, with no further ado, we need to bring in someone else who can uh, share with you how you can get roundabout to us. Mm -hmm. So here's Merv to tell you how you can contact us at Future Quake. Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or Internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay, we got to say goodbye. We're way over. Sorry. That's okay. we got to say goodbye. Come back for the last installment tomorrow. Until then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a great day. Ciao. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake. Welcome to the Thursday edition of the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I am Tom... Blanking out Bionic. Spellbound Bionic. I'm just... I'm really tired. Ladies and gentlemen, I know you always get... By the time we do Thursday's show, you just run out of steam. Mm. You're like Robot on Lost in Space. Just pulled the plug on you. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it looks like it'll just be you and me, Dr. Future (laughs) in the audience there. Oh, wait, I just got plugged into the wall. Okay. Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is going to be a last installment of our interview with Dr. William Alnor, uh, author and professor at Cal State East Bay uh, in Mm -hmm. California, uh, talking about the spiritual agenda behind the last day's UFO phenomenon. And uh, he's one of the early authors, and hopefully you've been able to listen to the other segments of the interview. Kind of a pioneer, Uh, really. I know some of these segments I sort of rattle on myself. I apologize. No, no, for that. no. I thought I, your commentary, as always, was very insightful. Well, thank you for saying that. I appreciate no, that. No, well, I wouldn't say it. I wouldn't say it unless it wasn't true, or unless so, it was true. So you would do your discernment ministry over me if you had to. Well, I mean, if you were getting way out there, I'd be like, "Whoa, dude, you okay. gotta, you, you gotta rein that in." But you could call it "Whoa, dude ministries." <laughs> Yeah. But you know what? At least you could do it biblically and go confront the person face to face first before you yeah. rat them out. Yeah. Well, what it really what I would do? do it. It's interesting because I was just talking to somebody about this. He wanted to approach another brother in the Lord mm-hmm. who was kind of, and we had a long discussion about that. Had you discussed a crusade or holy war? As a well, I said vision? first thing you need is your helmet, and he said like my helmet of salvation. I said no, like with the big pointy thing on it to go with your sword. Uh huh. Yeah. And then he laughed because it was obviously a joke. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, hopefully we'll have none of that today because yeah. we have uh, Dr. William Alnor who's going to be speaking in our last installment uh, talking about who are some of the other parties that are involved in this whole agenda about UFOs. Uh, we've talked a little bit about their message uh, and even talk about the Catholic Church coming up mm-hmm. and what their thoughts are. And we'll, we'll discuss that when we come back. Mm-hmm. But I think we should just go on and finish up the interview. And with no further ado, Dr. William Alnor talking about the spiritual agenda behind the last day's UFO phenomenon. Then we'll be right back to wrap it up here on Future Quake. Let's hit a little closer to home here as far as uh, people under traditional belief systems. The Catholic Church, curiously, is one group that has taken a prominent position in recent years in trying to prepare their uh, their flock, uh, their, their uh, parishioners, 
about the eventuality of an announcement about extraterrestrial life. Now, one curious thing about the Catholic Church that many people don't know is that they've always had an obsession with watching the stars. They have observatories that they own all over the world. They produce some of the top premier uh, data, astronomy-related data really? and information and publications. They, some of the top astronomers in the world are under the direct employment at Vatican observatories. Uh, their top... Uh, people in, in this field, in the observatory field, that are based out of the Vatican, uh, you know, their headquarters is there, with, with the full blessing of the Pope, has been purposely releasing these statements saying that there will be uh, an announcement that will be, they'll be presented and people should not have their face shaken. They should just accept it. It's going to be okay. What do you think is behind all of that? What, what do you think is the, the agenda? Have you ever seen and come across information? Yes, I've, I've written about this a little bit, not a lot, but I, I've, of course, written about some of the announcements coming from the Vatican. I look at it almost from a historic perspective that the Catholic Church over the centuries has always done things to try to get along with what the latest trends have been. And since this is a societal trend, to believe that there may be some kind of alien, um, uh, alien contact sometime in the future, they want to be ready for it. Now, whether or not they have some inside information to small groups that seem to be promoting this is something that I suspect they probably do, but I have no way of proving it. So I think that um, they have inside information from someone, and it may be part of the, of the end-time delusion someday, I think. Again, when it talks about in Revelation chapter 17 and 18 about a new world religion coming, I think that... Um, in order for that to come, there has to be a uniting of Protestantism and Catholicism and even like a less radicalization of Islam. And I think that one good, well, not one good way, but one way that it could happen is using the UFO delusion as part of the whole the whole picture, actually, sometime in the future. Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting you brought that up. Uh, Stephen Bassett was on our show a few weeks ago, and he also spoke at this conference uh, in Montreal last year, and, and he talked about the different world religions, and he didn't even think that evangelical Christianity would have as much problem with the unveiling of extraterrestrials as people thought. But he right. he thought that Islam would have real heartburn with it, and, and that they were going to be the long pole in the tent and the real difficulty and things. But, but it's what's interesting about the Catholic Church is that my observation in history is that they're very syncretic, just like their, their yeah. Babylonian predecessors uh, in the mystery religion. So that I would see they would absolve local beliefs and faith, sort of evolve them into their own as long as they could control them. And then their, their offspring, the Catholic Church, has done the same thing. They will take pagan beliefs. They'll, they'll maybe throw them a bone, like give them a, a day of the week named after them, or, or they'll change the name of a, they'll make a holy holiday out of a pagan holiday or something like that. But as long as people play ball and will cooperate with them, they will allow them to keep some autonomy. And yeah. so I wouldn't be surprised if they, they had the same mindset toward some extraterrestrial that comes, as long as they could sort of pull the strings of whatever these people are. They're willing to, to widen their cosmology and their belief system as long as they still maintain control out of the Vatican. And the book of Revelation seems to, it doesn't just apply, it comes out and says this, that not only we have the Antichrist someday, but there will be a false prophet. But I think when you look at this, the false prophet has to be a religious leader of world renown. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying it's going to be a pope, but it very well could be a pope. You know, it could be someone from from the inner workings of the Roman Catholic Church. 
because certainly there's no figure like that that could that could come out of Islam that is world renowned. Islam is too eclectic, too too tied up in their provincial battles in order to fulfill such. So I personally favor the interpretation, the strong belief that perhaps um, a future pope could be the uh, the false prophet that that upholds the mm-hmm. greatest delusion of all time during the end times. Well, and I assume that that person, whoever that might be, and even Catholics believe that they will have one last pope, possibly yes. the one after this one that is considered an anti-pope, Peter yes. of Rome, that that may widen the tent even more so to take in some of these New Age Babylonian beliefs into a much wider tent still headquartered out of Rome, uh, that, that they have the latitude to whatever they bind on earth is bound in heaven, that if they choose to, to, to be broader in what they choose to do while maintaining control, that they could do that. And that would certainly be consistent with the biblical record for it. Um, why do you think, having talked on all these matters, why, why do you think Christians should consider this topic a priority. You know, it's it's almost a, without being so spoken, sort of a taboo subject to bring up in churches and things like that. Well, why should they consider priority, and what should they do about it? Well, it should be a priority because so many of the people we're trying to reach believe in UFOs. Not only do they believe it, they intensely believe in UFOs and the fact that they there may be life else out, out there somewhere else, and that they. Uh, and so being that, that they should see it as a mission field, I think, because, again, it's more than 50% of all of Americans now, now, now believe in extraterrestrials and that they're being piloted by aliens from another world. And so this makes it a mission field. I can appreciate the tendencies from some Christians to not look at sensational topics, but I think this is a topic that isn't going to go away. This isn't just sensationalism. This is a topic that's very much part of our society and very much part of our culture. And I see little difference between um, reaching the world with with um, talking about UFOs than than the Apostle Paul preaching in Acts chapter 20 when he quoted like um, uh, some of the, the pagan poets in order to make his point. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, it's it's such a big big deal that we have to pay attention to it. Hmm. And, and at the same time, there are people who are accepting a religious belief packaged as something else. That's growing and growing. Just this, this, this whole Roswell meeting we're going up to, you know, they've had attendance upwards of 50,000 people that come, many of which embrace this kind of re- religious system, uh, packaged in extraterrestrial belief. That is a darkness that is going to end up having people going to hell. Yeah. And if we don't care, then we are being remiss in our duty to be salt and light, and to obey the Great Commission to these people. Are, are we not, if we ignore and bury our head in the sand? Absolutely. And I think we're never called to bury our heads in the sand. We just need to be aware of what's yeah, going on. As, exactly. As I said, as uh, even the Apostle Paul quoted some pagan poets in, in Acts chapter 20. And I think if you look at the early church, they were always trying to meet the challenges of the day by having an answer for it. Like right. Second uh, Peter 3 talks about having every man an answer for the hope that is within us. And, uh, and um also, when Paul spoke to the elders at Miletus, he talked about, after I leave, savage wolves will come among you and not spare the flock. And I think we need to know what these savage wolves are. And I think part of it is the UFO delusion and, and other occultic delusions that we have coming across the planet in the 21st century. So, I mean, this this sometimes studying these kind of things are considered quite unsavory for people. And they don't feel like uh, it's something they'd really rather spend their time doing. They'd rather read another Christian self-help book along yes. with the stacks of other ones that are you'll find uh, laid on top of each other in the bookstore. 
But to understand this kind of thing, you really have to understand the history, uh, the direction, what the current teaching is to be able to minister to people that are out there and to be able to offer them a distinctive uh, view of the good news and the person and work of Jesus Christ, hmm. which was really certainly a far more promising as well as being real, but a more promising alternative than what these people are being promised by the Space Brothers. Yeah. <laughs> well, researching this topic certainly isn't for everyone. I wouldn't recommend it for, for my grandmother or anyone like that. But I think that if you're a discerning Christian and uh, concerned about uh, engaging culture, you have to know what all the major UFO myths are. In fact, I really feel that people should pay attention to what the latest trends coming from Hollywood are, because if we know what these trends are, the more we can deal with them and, and have a biblical answer for whatever we see coming down the pike. Well, I would like to comment for some of our regular grandmothers that do listen to Future Quake. Believe it or not, we do, and some of them are regular writers to us. Some of them actually take our shows and play them for their small groups to, to lead discussion well, on these great. topics. And... For some of you grandmothers out there, you may have a grandson who's getting into this kind of stuff, uh, either through the, the portal of video games or movies or music, are really starting to adopt some of these beliefs. And you may be sitting there thinking, I'm a grandmother, I, and I, I certainly know what Brother Bill's saying. It, it's, it's sort of a, a, a qualified taste uh, for approaching these things. But if you're in a position where you have a relative that is really in danger of getting immersed in this, and no one else in your family is standing up, it may fall on you anyway uh, to deal with them on these matters. And it may not be this matter. It may be uh, just pure New Age teaching. It could be something else. They could be getting into the goth or, or other kind of things. None of these things are things that really we w would like to spend a lot of time in, but it's something when we know people are around us that are, that are falling, being trapped by these things, the mantle may fall on us to reach out to individual family members that we have. Absolutely. Well, Absolutely. Um, what, what do, how do you think this issue is going to play out in the days ahead? What, 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 what's your best assumption of what we're going to be seeing here in the next few months and years? Well, I think it's built up as a huge crescendo, really, since 1948, and each year it gets even stronger. And so I think there's sooner or later there's going to be something really major that happens, like a major announcement of some sort that comes out. I thought that during the Clinton administration, there was like the potential for that to happen with the rock that they found in Antarctica that they felt was from Mars and it showed there was life there at one point. So mm -hmm. I think that there's going to be some kind of um, some kind of physical sign or physical wonder that we're that the whole world is going to be talking about, and I think that's the thing to look for really within the next five years or so, if we even make it that far, you know, as mm -hmm. far as before the the, sure. the tribulation time period happens. So I think we uh, because I say that because I just see the way that there's more and more publicity about this issue all the time that's happening all the time, and it's become almost like part of the matter of fact part of a culture. And I, I, I pointed this out in my books. It's not just part of American culture. People need to understand that ufology is a worldwide movement and that in some other countries, such as uh, Russia, Brazil, countries like that, it's even bigger than what it is mm -hmm. here in the United States. Yeah. And it's mm -hmm. even bigger in, in Japan than it is in the United States. Right. Mex Mexico, mm -hmm. France, yeah. places like that. Uh, what, what you know, you, you mentioned Acts 20 a little while ago. Um, I believe it's E.W. Bullinger's uh, opinion that the 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 poet that Paul quoted, actually the the poem that he quoted was actually having to do with uh, the 
the stars and God encoding his message of redemption in the stars. That's right. Uh, yeah. And Paul goes on to refute that, but he used the, the poetry mm-hmm. in order to drive a point home. Yes. I think that we have to really engage culture today. Mm-hmm. And I'm really excited about the Roswell Conference coming up because that's that's the height of engaging culture. Yeah. I believe the admission is free, isn't it, for everyone to come mm-hmm. or something? I don't, I don't know. Well, I think what they request a donation for people to to buy the DVDs. Uh, yeah. So and it's for a nominal charge, just a little small charge. So then they can show other people who can't go what was seen. And I can tell you, I have lent when I went to 2005, it was a life changing experience. And I I lent out my DVD so many times that they became lost, and I had to reorder a new set because people were shocked, like I was, with what I learned there and how it really changed my understanding in a deeper way. And I really saw the Holy Spirit work at this meeting. Yeah. It, not just in, in illuminating these, these strange passages, but in, in actually working in families and dealing with spiritual warfare and things like this. And uh, I just think it was an amazing thing. Your, your comments you mentioned about seeing something that's going to be hard for people to explain about possibly life elsewhere. Uh, would you agree with me that it's likely to be sort of like the whole evolution uh, thing when it was unveiled in that it will really challenge a biblical explanation of our origins I think so. Uh, and create a crisis of faith mm. for the church and for others? I think so, and I think that right now there are so many movies that are trying to create a crisis for the church, and so I wouldn't be surprised if that happened uh, at the same time. Mm. And I think this goes right in line of your question about the Roman Catholic Church preparing the way in order for people to accept some kind of other explanation for reality itself, like an evolution type of thing. So they want to head it off at the some, pass. That's right. And I think there are some people that are professing Christians that see ufology in in the same way that evolution is seen. What used to be Hmm. seen as an evil idea for a lot of them is now seen as an acceptable idea. Well, there might have been evolution. That was God's way of doing things, you know, is kind of the way some people look at it. That's right. Uh, Are there any unique things that you've not heard any other prophecy teachers talk about? that you think is something unique that you just not heard them mention but it's been on your mind related to this topic that, to keep an eye out for in the days ahead? Um, nothing in particular other than, well, I did mention earlier in, in, in this uh, the show here the talk about Genesis chapter 6. Mm-hmm. I'm very much trying to uh, learn, and I'm not so sure what I feel about it right now, is this whole idea of like experimentation with mm-hmm. flesh of animals and also humans as well, mm-hmm. and even explanations um, about uh, fetuses missing from mothers and, and things like that. And so mm-hmm. there's not a lot of Bible prophecy teachers talking about this, but this is something that bears watching, I think, in the future. Well, you know, world-class researchers like those that were reported in Lynn Marzulli's recent book, The Alien Interviews, mm-hmm. uh, actually says that these abductees said that they saw hybrids that were born that with every generation looked more and more human and were actually used to test to see how human they looked. And that was consistent with Linda Moulton Howe when she was on our show. uh, Told back in the 80s, government officials told her that they had been mixed in our own society and that there was some new technologies they had developed. She mentioned this live on air, that, that the British and the Americans have had to actually pick these people out. And it's very interesting when you go back and read in the book of Daniel about the feet and the toes of iron mixed with clay. And the King James Version says that they shall mix themselves with the seed of men. And one has to ask, who is the they? 
that they're mixing themselves with. Uh, we're coming up here to the end here. Um, can you tell us briefly what your what your plans are for the future? You mentioned a couple books. Anything in the very near term? You're going to be speaking in Roswell. We want everyone to attend if they can, or or to order the DVDs at ChristianSymposium.com. Uh, any other near-term activities you have until you get those next books uh, on the well, market? Well, I'm, I'm trying to write a novel right now, and it's a little rough going for me because I'm used to writing nonfiction so much. But frankly, mm. I've been struggling with a little health issue for the past couple of years, and so that's kind of slowed me down on some things. Mm, but okay. I think that if I can put together my next book, which is which is called uh, not the novel but Disaster in the Main Line, That'll kind of talk about more Bible prophecy themes as well as uh, what the church needs to do to galvanize itself against a further onslaught of uh, of taking over our denominations, really, and taking mm-hmm. over, really, even changing the basic message of Christianity. So that's where a lot of my focus is going right now. But, you know, I kind of write projects as the Lord leads me, as, as I think we all do, actually. And so there's been a few stirrings in my heart about writing about something different in the near future. And so we'll just have to see what kind of time I can get to put it all together. Okay. But but you have also this separate novel project that's presumably a fictional novel. Yes. That you're doing yeah. Yeah. It's a working title. is called Love and Regrets. You okay. know, So it's not, you know, it's, it's, it's a Christian book, you know, for sure. But I'm going to try to market it to... Uh, to the, to the secular society, you know, okay. without compromising the gospel message in any way, shape, or form. Hmm. Well, so there's still time. It's in the early stages. There's still time to work in a Dr. Future and Tom Bionic characters <laughs> in the storyline. Yes. <laughs> I was thinking the other day about working a murder into the plot, but maybe I better not do that. <laughs> yeah, that, that plot almost happens in the studio every yeah, week just here. About, just about right. every week. But, uh, but, yeah, I think it would really increase sales quite a bit. In fact, oh, if you gosh. need any pictures... For the front cover like that, something like the Harlequin Romance kind of look. Yeah. We can come up with something for you. Uh, we gave me an idea. I'll have to put you in my acknowledgments if I do it. Yeah, <laughs> please do. I know we've offered our services to Tom Horn for all the books he's publishing in the same yeah. way, too, if we can do that. Uh, okay, in conclusion, I, I want to thank you so much for coming on for your maiden voyage at Future Quake. And uh, I, I want to find out how our listeners can get your books and keep up with your work. Well, my books can be purchased at most Christian bookstores and other bookstores as well. Um, I'll just say them real quickly. Uh, 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 Soothsayers, The Second Advent, Heaven Can't Wait, UFOs in the New Age, and also UFO Cults in the New Age. I do have a website that's known simply as cultlink, you know, one word, C-U-L-T-L-I-N-K dot com. And you can also order my books through that site as well. And so I really do hope to be a lot more active in the future now that my Ph.D. is uh, the battle for that's won and and teaching here at the the university full time. And so I really want to slip back into more and more Christian activities. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, you are certainly welcome back on the Future Quake show. Yeah. If you would ever be so brave as to dare set foot back again in our, in our humble show, we would love to have you back. Uh, you, you cannot have any topic that is too strange for us to cover on this show. Uh, we're confident that you, whatever it is you tackle, it will be from a, a strong biblical-centric viewpoint. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's really the only criteria uh, on here is that we use the Word of God as our uh, compass by which we decide what's what's true and and straight in the information that we present here. So I want to thank you so much, and I look forward to seeing you in Roswell here in just a few weeks. Yeah, well, thank you very much for having me on the show, and I'll come back on any time you want. Well, I, I think it, your, your appearance at Roswell will probably be a catalyst for another renaissance and in interest in your work. So uh, you're going to have mm. to make lots of time beyond your uh, professor duties to uh, get that those fingers typing. 
because I know a lot of our listeners will, will want to get your current books and be waiting for the next one. They usually sort of put a lot of heat on our guests to try to hurry up and get their new work published. So we, we would look forward to, to hearing what you have to say in the future. Thank you. Thank well, you very much. Thank you so much, Dr. Allen. I sure appreciate, I appreciate it. appreciate your work. Yes. And we'll yes. look forward to hearing you soon. Thanks again. Goodbye. We're back at the Future Quake Show with Dr. Future. And Tom, big fan of Witness of the Stars Bionic. Okay. Again, another reference to something we're talking about off air. Mm-hmm. So now you're going to have to explain yourself. Okay. Why are you bringing this okay, up? Okay, very quickly. Acts 20. Paul is quoting uh, uh, a very old poet on Mars Hill when he's talking to the uh, uh, philosophers there uh, on Mars Hill. And uh, if you look at that poem, we actually have references and uh, complete uh, complete manuscripts of that poem. If you go and look at it, that poem was used to codify uh, a system of belief where God somehow put his put the stars in place uh, to show man's redemption and reconciliation to God uh, up in the stars like that. Mm-hmm. And E.W. Bullinger believes that that, and subsequently proves in his book A Witness of the Stars, that that was actually... Um, that was actually uh, older Hebrew uh, ideas in that it comes from Job, which is most people believe mm-hmm. is pre-flood. Right. Um, and that idea, uh, you know, God said he would always leave you, never leave you without a witness. And one of those mm-hmm. witnesses was the stars, which told about the redemption of man uh, to mm-hmm. God and the coming Redeemer and all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And so that poem that Paul quotes from is just that information, but the Greeks had no idea how, on how to understand all that stuff because mm-hmm. they didn't have the background of a coming Messiah correctly. Paul is saying, you've, you've, you've all learned this poem. You're all intelligent mm-hmm. men. You know this poem, but you don't have the background. It's this Messiah. Mm-hmm. It, he, is, he is God. And suddenly mm-hmm. all, of that, all of that thought stuff that they would have learned in that poem would have made a lot more sense. So... All of these great uh, cosmopolitan Greeks who thought they were the center of knowledge of the universe, it took a Jew to come over and set them straight on missing knowledge they didn't have. Mm-hmm. Well, isn't that special? Yeah. Well, any other closing thoughts on uh, our time with Brother Bill? Well, again, I thought that uh, he was remarkably succinct. I, I really mm-hmm. appreciate people that don't rattle on, mainly because yeah. I do so much, well, like now. <laughs> yeah, but you're looking at the king of rattling on. That's my gift. No, no, rattling. no. You are very succinct as well. Fact, I'm, you could call me Copperhead. Or no, Rattlesnake, I guess. Rattlesnake. Copperheads don't rattle, do they? Mm, copperhead is a type of rattlesnake, I believe. Really? Oh, I didn't, know, didn't yeah, really know we were going to cover so. that. Yeah. Well, so speaking of snakes, we need to bring uh, Merv in to tell you all how to contact us here at Future Quake. Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or Internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay. Somehow we lost all our time. His bark was worse than his bite. I'm glad uh, Brother Bill had something worthwhile to say. And you did, too, <laughs> in this last segment. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, come back for tomorrow's Tremors tomorrow and another great interview next week. Until then, we hope your future is very bright. Have a great day. Bye. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake.
Welcome to the Friday edition of the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I am Tom, feeling a little Rubenesque, bionic. Rubenesque? Yes. You know, that's sort of like plump and rotund. You're right. It's sort of a double entendre, actually, because I had a Reuben sandwich, and I am feeling a bit plump and rotund. Okay. From it. From both. Okay. Yes. Well, it's uh, wonderful to be here with you today. Yeah. Well, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Future Quake Show. Uh, today is Friday, and we I guess we have to go through this exercise again. Tom, tell us what today is, what it means. Uh... It was work day up at the uh, at the farm for me. At the farm. Yeah. Yeah. I um, I mean that is interesting, but that's I don't right. think to our listeners that's relevant. It is tomorrow's tremors or today's review of the future's. Oh movie. gosh, yeah. I almost I don't know what happens. I always miss that one. You know, uh, <laughs> we were chastised by a listener uh, in an email. We we've gotten like four negative emails in five years, but yeah. one of these four was somebody who said that we spent too much t- wasting time. <laughs> Can you believe well, it that? Was also, it was also uh, that we didn't know our Bibles, though, as well. Wasn't yeah, it? didn't know our Bibles. Fair. Yeah. Well, I didn't. Yeah. Dr. Future didn't. Yeah. I knew mine, but you didn't know yours? Yeah. Or well, was it just you didn't know yours? I'd like to say hi to that person out there. I appreciate your comments yeah. anyway, and uh, I'm still waiting to hear back from you. Yeah. Well, so, we're just glad you listen. That's right. That's right. And put up with us anyway. And that goes for the rest of you mm-hmm. Futurians out there. Yeah. Uh, do we have any quick announcements before we get to the news stories? Well, I was going to say, uh, I, I don't know if we're prepared for it, but do we have any fan mail or anything? I mean, self-praise is no praise. You know, so I, I didn't print them out. Fan I, mail. I tell you what, we are getting so many. And it's not just like, oh, you all are great. I just love you. These are some of the most intelligent people I have ever seen. Uh, these are people who have useful information. Uh, well, I tell you, um, you know our show on DMT, which has become mm-hmm. uh, a real classic already. Uh, Brother Steve, who sent an email, was the one who actually was a catalyst. Of course, you know, when I read that one story, that intrigued me to look further. But mm-hmm. when he gave me a lead on that book on uh, the spirit molecule mm-hmm. uh, and information he gave, that was the genesis of all that. And uh, he just dropped an email today saying, mm-hmm. hey, I really enjoyed the show. Great. But I want to thank you out there, and I want to thank all of our listeners yeah. who give us just an incredible amount of information and leads. They're some of the most intelligent people. They could all host their own show. Yeah, I don't know what they're doing hanging out with us. I don't know either. Uh, they must be really hard up for entertainment, but uh, I'm glad they're there anyway. I'm glad you all are educating us. Yeah. And I also want to tell, uh, because we've had such an overload of emails, and your old buddy Dr. Future here has had to render to Caesar what Caesar's a little bit the last few months uh, with some, some other work that I'm needing to do. Uh, and some other duties that I've had apart from this, mm-hmm. that I have been a little behind in some of my emails with some of my best friends out there mm-hmm. uh, that are Futurians, and I want to ask for your apology and hey, just I, hang with me because I will catch up. But. Let me, let me, you know, he won't toot his own horn, but I'll, I'll toot it for him here a second. Doctor Future works so hard on this show, you know, it's I just, just wish it would show. It <laughs> <laughs> looks like he just woke up out of bed, you know, turned on the machine and started. No, 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 that's my part. I'm no, here to no. make sure we're not polished. Yeah. Um, he works so hard on this show, folks. He's like, you know, 30, 40, 50 hours a week sometimes. I call him at like 2 in the morning. I said, hey, what are you doing awake? I thought I was just going to leave you a message. He's like, oh, I'm working on the show, working on the show, yeah. man. Mr. Intensity. Yeah, like I'll, I'll come by the house and like all the lights are off and he's wandering around in a white lab coat and there's something on an elevated. Well, usually elevated there's a guy with a net following me. But mm-hmm. uh, it is an all-hours kind of thing. But I tell you what, uh, not to bemoan this, if if you do feel gracious about it, mm-hmm. um, ladies and gentlemen out there, just uh, write down a quick note of uh, thanks for encouragement to me and uh, wrap it in a $50 bill and <laughs> send it to futurequake.com. I'd sure appreciate that. 
Uh, no, seriously, I just lo- love all y'all out there. I will tell you that since we've been on the Revelations Radio Network and since the last show or two, mm-hmm. our listenership as far as downloads have just taken off. And wow. I, I'm answering probably five to ten emails a day, plus doing our other stuff, mm-hmm. and it's just a drop in the bucket of stuff coming in. So thanks, everybody, for your patience, including all of our, our longtime listeners mm-hmm. who, uh, back when, when we were lucky to get one a week or t- so, uh, I just want to thank you so much for your patience yeah. with us, and uh, I'll get caught up on them. Yeah. Um, this has been a, it's a nutty month. We've got two, i got two months of traveling coming up. I know. It's been heavy all the way around. And we're crescendoing to this Roswell weekend, and we hope to have some other guests like uh, Brother Bill Alnor, who was dun, on this week. Dun, dun, I think it's all the bars you can sing. Dun, dun. Uh, I hope that was your own composition. Yeah, that was that was uh, called uh, Crescendo of the Future Quake Travel Schedule. Okay, okay. We, are, we are fulfilling the prophecy of the listener that said we're wasting time. <laughs> so do you have a story you'd like to jump into or would you like me to? Um, hmm, hmm, hmm. Uh, why don't you go first? All right. Yours uh, are always better than mine. So. No, they're not. Well, most of the time they really are. No, they're they, not. They are, they are. I had a hard time picking which one to start with. Oh, gosh, because um, you had so many killer stories. No, they're just yeah. all very different. They okay. all have their own merits. Okay. Uh, this is one. I, I don't mean to pick on the InfoWars guys, but... They usually don't have at least one or two a week that are intriguing. Mm-hmm. This one is called a Boy Scouts Trained to Become Homeland Gestapo. Oh, I was going to get this one, but I'm glad you did. It's hard to it's hard to miss a good title like that. Yeah. Once upon a time, the Boy Scouts were about camping, backpacking, and canoeing. Boy Scouts were into high adventure and sporting activities. Scouts were about preventing forest fires and the Red Cross, or excuse me, a good turn daily. Uh, they worked with the Salvation Army and the Red Cross. They cherished ideals such as the Cub Scout Promise and the Law of the Pack. Now the Boy Scouts have a new mission, fighting terrorism, rounding up illegal aliens, search and destroying marijuana fields, and embracing the SWAT mentality. The Explorers Program, a co-educational affiliate of the Boy Scouts of America that began 60 years ago, is training thousands of young people in skills used to confront terrorism, illegal immigration, and escalating border violence, uh, and intense ratcheting up of one of the group's long-time missions to prepare use for more traditional jobs as police officers and firefighters, reports the New York Times. Homeland Security and the FBI are behind the effort to indoctrinate and train the Boy Scouts to become tomorrow's Gestapo. Hmm. There might be just a little bit of commentary in that sentence, but well, I mean, it's still it's, true. It's true. I, I read the New York Times article and the, several other articles about this, and what yeah. they were in fact doing was taking the Boy Scouts of America, and as one of their drills was teaching them uh, close quarters counterinsurgency type combat. Hmm. Uh, it's a little different than starting how to start to make a fire. Yeah, it's it's not like it's not like you're you know your sailing merit badge or something. Mm. That's, yeah, that's, that's you Nazi know, youth. Uh, right and the there. interesting thing about it was, and they might get into it in this article, is that uh, in a lot of these cases, the person that they were trying to like take out was a disgruntled veteran. Okay. You know, those dastardly veterans. Yeah, going out and serving our country, and then coming back, and what what a blight how, on society! How dare they come back? What a blight know, on society! Like, the yeah. veterans. Hmm. These, you know, our veterans today are going to get treated just like they did after Vietnam. It sounds like. Uh, be treated just like the bonus army <laughs> at the end of the bayonet. Yeah. Uh, it says uh, Homeland Security and the FBI are behind the effort to indoctrinate and train the Boy Scouts to become tomorrow's Gestapo. Our end goal is to create more agents. April McKee, a senior Border Patrol agent, told the New York Times. Before uh, it was more about the basics, said Johnny Longoria, a Border Patrol agent. But now our emphasis is on terrorism, illegal entry, drugs, and human smuggling. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, just as there are soccer moms or explorers' dads who attend the competitions, man the hamburger grill, and donate their land for the simulated marijuana field raids. <laughs> oh uh, how traditional. Uh, in there, I could see Norman Rockwell I've got my painting this. Raid badge. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> in their training, I wonder what that looks like. In their training, the would-be law enforcement officers do not mess around, as revealed in a recent competition on the state fairgrounds here, where a Ferris wheel set next to the police car set up for a, a felony investigation. Uh, Jennifer Steinhammer writes for the Times. Scouts are trained to identify the enemy. In a competition in Arizona, one role player wore traditional Arab dress. We're looking at 911 and what a Middle Eastern terrorist would be like, or a caricature of one. Well, of yeah, but none of those guys, uh, none of those guys wore. Right. You know, they just wore like they jeans like and T-shirt. Yeah. Said A. W. Lowenthal, sheriff's deputy in Imperial County, California. Then maybe your role player would look like that. I don't know. Would you call that politically incorrect? Politically incorrect or not? Uh, Homeland Security FBI realize Arabs are not the enemy. Right wing extremists are. Oh, yeah, well, That's the Mayak report, of course. Further in the de- Department of Homeland Security. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll get to the end here. Last month, InfoWars report on the document about de- de- Homeland Security uh, identifying advocates of the Second Amendment, veterans, pro-life activists, and militia members as dangerous terrorists. A subsequent DHS document entitled Domestic Extremism Lexicon pinpointed government types rejecting federal authority, anti-government types, uh, in favor of state or local authority as possible terrorists. Islamic groups are specifically excluded from this document, writes Benjamin Sarlin. The new Gestapo Boy Scouts program will train the new Hitler Youth or Obama Youth, that's interchangeable, yeah. uh, for the challenges of a totalitarian globalist future. As the planned implosion of the economy unfolds and unemployment increases, the federal government is picking up the slack. In the wake of the huge stimulus package to jumpstart the economy, plenty of new positions are being created by 2010. The agencies will benefit, uh, include the uh, Departments of Defense, Commerce, Homeland Security, and Veterans Affairs. Uh, Gestapo scouts will be required to combat right-wing extremists who refuse to turn in their firearms after the next false flag terror attack or engineered pandemic. Uh, They'll be called in to deal with those who refuse to participate in mandatory vaccinations. Mm. Uh, Mandatory vaccinations, huh? That's right. Police state scouts will be the vanguard for Obama's million-man civilian national security corps. Just as powerful, just as strong, just as well-funded as the military, as he says. Which is a direct quote from... That's right. That's what he says. Campaign promise. Uh, It says uh, it's up to the New York Times uh, to sell the militarization of the Boy Scouts to the American people using standard bugaboos of Arab terrorists, drug cartel thugs, and marijuana cultivators. There's an example of all why this is all necessary. Uh, <laughs> I'm just envisioning so, that uh, that's the basic that marijuana raid merit badge. It's like mm-hmm. a hit big, with a big slash through it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is uh, again. You need to see the sound of music because you'll see like uh, this young man who's you know wants to date one of the von Trapp girls, mm-hmm. and at the end he is seduced into the Nazis, and and they try to talk him out of it and run away. And he's got his little whistle blowing, squealing on him, you know, narking for the Nazis to come no get kidding. him. And that's basically, you know, if you look at the Stasi, those secret police in communism countries, sure. it was all narc on your next door neighbor, mm-hmm. and that's what they're creating. Every, almost everybody's going to be on the government payroll except you and me. Well, I think there's, it's it's very interesting you say that because one of the things that we've we've talked about uh, in past broadcasts, mm-hmm. in, both in the news segment and other segments, is uh, how the uh, uh, the Nazis. There seems to be sort of a resurgence of socialism going mm-hmm. on here, and uh, we've also talked about how. The Nazis sort of had the secret plan, and 
you know, mm-hmm. how a lot of the uh, the institutions, political institutions these days, have ties to the Nazis of the 40s. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, and Dr. Dennis Cuddy, by the way, who mm-hmm. writes frequently on news reviews, uh, if you look in his archive of articles, you'll find a lot of work he did to trace the guys who got out of the war and some of their writings they've uncovered, mm-hmm. that they had come up with this whole plan to take over the basically form the European Union mm-hmm. and to do other things to line their pockets mm-hmm. and to control these structures. Well, we talked about that a little bit last week. Uh, Adam Labor, one of the one of the gentlemen uh, 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 who I've, I've talked about at length, he did this book on uh, the myth of Swiss neutrality mm-hmm. during World War II. He fa- actually found uh, documents that linked that, you know, government document saying they all got together, all these Nazi leaders mm-hmm. said that we're, this is what we're going to do and, mm-hmm. you know, we're going to kind of create this new world order. And um, it's interesting that, you know, uh, from the right, typically what you hear is we're now being pushed into a socialist state. Well, that is not entirely correct because what a socialist state is, is everybody sort of is equal with the government at the head. Uh, What's really going on is more of a fascist state in that what you're doing is marrying big business with big Mm -hmm. government Mm -hmm. uh, to the subsumption of individual rights. At the day of our recording today, didn't they announce that the government is going to take over General Motors? That was like the head on Drudge. Oh no, I don't. I don't know. I was like, painting. I've got the coolest job, man. I like paint all day, uh-huh. and I just listen to Bible commentaries. I come, I, yeah. you know, come, come here to the show. So it's me to do the drudgery of finding these stories only on the, Tuesdays in the dark smoke field room. Yeah. Actually, no. uh, Drudge says that uh, there's going to be two companies formed, and I've heard rumors of this: a good company uh, that the government's going to own. Mm-hmm. And then there's going to be another nasty company to stick it to everybody else. But it, uh, the the unions won't have to take any hits at all uh, with what's going on. Ridiculous. And also the they said that the, uh, the government is going to forgive the 14 billion dollars in loans that they gave GM. Wow. You remember how these were supposed to be loans and the and the taxpayers were going to make money back with mm-hmm. spades for doing this. Yeah. Well, just. Just decided on their own. Man, you can keep the money. Well, it's going to be interesting with all of that, all of this forgiving of loans going on. It's interesting. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with California. You know that they're because mm-hmm. they've already requested. You know, there's this unprecedented budget crisis, and they're each right. month they go two billion dollars more in the hole. You know they're going to bail them out. Well, actually, that's the not? interesting thing about it. There's a big fight where they've started to try and uh, the governor, uh, mm-hmm. governor there has tried to lay off some union people, right. and Obama has said absolutely not. Right, they'll you cut off their money. Yeah, we're going to cut off all your federal money. Yeah. If you do that. Yeah, so, uh, you know, there's been this flurry of stuff back and forth, I guess, where they said, we have to do this, you don't understand. And In their process of rewarding the people who elected him, mm-hmm. it is actually just completely destroying any financial underpinning of our country, mm-hmm. just in the process of rewarding cronies. Well, we're we're getting very close to a point where there's going to be Oh, I don't know. You could call it, for lack of a better word, like a Hindenburg moment where everything starts going down in flames mm-hmm. with the financial economy. Oh, the humanity. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. There's uh, one, of our, one of our frequent commentators, you know, Mike Shedlock, has been mm-hmm. writing. He wrote just yesterday that he thinks that uh, what's long been known, that there are about a thousand or so banks that are insolvent. Mm-hmm. Fundamentally, he says mm-hmm. basically the entire world banking system is insolvent, mm-hmm. and uh, what's going on right now mm-hmm. is that you know we're, they're playing sort of hide the you know mm-hmm. hide the bad news and you know mm-hmm. like a shell game. Sounds like a good time to check out Freedom Twenty One Credit Union. Yeah, I was going to say that you know we might 
You might have to do that. Your brother Henry Lamb. I've got all this cash laying around. You know, my do house you really? in big buckets. I might have to call him and see if yeah. he'll come. And I've seen you light your cigars little, with most of the bigger up, bills. Yeah. The hundred dollar bills. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Do you have a story over there to oh, lay on? I don't know. Times I just have a bad commentary. Um, yes, this one. Um, this one uh, is from uh, uh, the Flint, Michigan area. Uh, Burton, Michigan. The black helicopter crowd's worst fears of a New World Order are coming true. The military is invading Burton, but it promises to only stay a week. The U.S. Special Operations Command is using Burton as a training ground for military exercises. Sometime over the next day or two, a military spokesman said residents may see low-flying helicopters buzzing overhead. People may even catch a glimpse of Special Operations Forces, but the goal is to keep the exercise as low-key as possible. Chances are that most people won't see them, says Naval, Naval Lieutenant Nathan C. Potter, a spokesman for the exercises. Citing safety and security concerns, the military is being mum on details about the exercises, including the size of the force being trained. There's also no word on where exactly the operations will take place, although Potter said soldiers could be working in neighborhoods and industrial sites. It will be very sporadic, he said. The goal is to prepare troops for unfamiliar urban areas. Once they are finished in Burton, Potter said the soldiers will be ready to be deployed overseas. The military approached Burton officials with a request to train there about three months ago, said, said Burton Police Lieutenant Tom Osterholzer. <clears throat> Although officials are being cautious about the details, Osterholzer said that they opted to notify the public to allay any fears once people start seeing helicopters. Burton and Flint Police will provide traffic control for some of the exercises and 9-11 operators at the Flint and Genesee County Dispatch Centers have been alerted in case of panicked calls. Hmm. It's an honor to help these guys, says Osterholzer. But not everybody is as enthusiastic. You, you don't say. Hmm. Wow, posse comitatus? No big deal, who cares? Uh, it scares me, says Jenny uh, Monch of Swartz Creek. I don't know what's hmm. going on with me today. I cannot hmm. speak. Uh, Jenny Monch of Swartz Creek. <laughs> I almost made the same problem. We got it. Yep. Uh, Munch questioned the military is, whether the military is getting ready for action in a new theater outside of Iraq and Pakistan and wonders why it chose Burton. Would you see this happening in a wealthy city, said Munch, a member of the Area Peace Triangle group that has protested the U.S. presence in Iraq for about seven years. Excellent point. Yep. But Burton resident Leroy Conkright, Conkright believes the city is providing an important service to the military. Um, hmm. And it just kind of goes on. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, we've had a number of those happen before, but they, they're still yeah. going on. Well, it's interesting. It acclimates the public. Yeah, well, and, and likewise, there seems to be, in my neighborhood, uh, I had a gentleman, uh, a gentleman, a pastor friend of mine, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was driving to church. Him and, a, and the worship leader there at the church, they were driving to church to, you know, do, do a service. And uh, they got pulled over by a police officer, female police officer. And uh, the person, you know, he said, she said, license and registration. So he gives them mm-hmm. license and registration. He said, I wasn't speeding. Mm-hmm. And she said, yeah, well, your tags are uh, a couple of days over. And he said, okay, well, that's true. All right, mm-hmm. I, you know, mm-hmm. sorry. Yeah. I didn't get the thing in the mail. Right. And she said, yeah, sometimes they don't send it out. Yeah. Um, and then he asked for the uh, uh, the passenger's license, mm-hmm. driver's license. And he said, well, I'm not, I don't have to give it to you, do I? And uh, mm-hmm. she said, well, uh, yes, you do. And he said, well, okay, but I'm pretty sure I don't have to give yeah, it to you. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so he gave them to him, and he said, and so they talked a little more, and they, 
they ended up confronting her and asking her yeah. flat out. They said, so if I'm getting pulled over for my tags, how come right. you need the passenger's mm -hmm. license? And she said, because, uh, and this is, this is quote unquote mm -hmm. what she said, because I'm not interested in giving you a ticket for tags. I'm interested, I'm pulling people over here on any pretense to run their license and take them to jail. If you guys have any sort of, if you guys have any sort of criminal or drug history, both mm -hmm. you guys are going to jail. So that's a confession of illegal search and seizure. Yes. There's been no crime mm -hmm. that she's saying is the nexus of searching yes. or doing anything. Yes, and the whole point is that they've yeah. been, uh, they've the the police in my mm -hmm. part of town have opted to uh, try and police through traffic mm -hmm. stops and uh, sort of false pretense. Uh, and I've seen, I've, mm -hmm. I've been, I was driving down, driving down the street, mm -hmm. and I saw them pull over, like, it looked like a work truck, you know, yeah, like a painter's yeah, yeah, truck, yeah. and they pull the guy over, and they get yeah. up, and they talk to him, you know, talk to him a little mm -hmm. bit, and I pulled into a Taco Bell there to grab a taco, mm -hmm. and sat down and was eating a taco, watching this mm -hmm. whole thing, you know, he's there, and they run his license and everything, yeah. and they come back, and they have him get out of the car and stand by the car, yeah. and the cops checking around in the back seat and all this stuff, yeah. I've seen that twice, huh. So, it reminds me of the communists and Nazis when they'd say, your paper, sir, where they yeah. would check everybody oh, sure, off the train exactly it, and check know. and make sure it's a draconian mm -hmm. thing. Yeah. Well, can I do a little quick story? We're just about out of time. Please, please. Uh, sorry, I, sorry I always rattle on. You don't rattle on. It's fine. I need to let the guests talk more. Oh, wait, no, that's you. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, this is from Wired.com. Pentagon preps soldier telepathy push. Oh, great. Uh, forget the battlefield radios, the combat PDAs, or infantry band signals. When the soldiers of the future want to communicate, they'll read each other's minds. At least that's the hope of researchers at the Pentagon's Mad Science Division, DARPA. The agency's budget for the next fiscal year includes $4 million to start up a program called Silent Talk. The goal is to allow user-to-user -user communication on the battlefield without the use of vocalized speech through analysis of neural signals. That's on top of the $4 million the Army handed out last year to the University of California mm. to investigate the potential for computer-mediated telepathy. Before being vocalized, speech exists as word-specific neural signals in the mind. Mm -hmm. DARPA wants to develop technology that would detect these signals of pre-speech, analyze them, and then transmit the statement to an intended interlocutor. Well, that's interesting because I had a, I had a conversation. Sorry to interrupt you. Sorry? No. I had a conversation with... Uh, a friend of mine who actually works, she's got a uh, she's got an undergraduate degree in uh, like biochemistry mm -hmm. from uh, Oxford, and she works at a think tank. Uh, and we were talking about this, and she said, you know, it's not widely reported on, but I can confirm mm -hmm. that there there has just recently been uh, a, a biochemist who implanted a chip in his brain that allowed him to communicate hmm. uh, to a computer. And then planted the same chip in his wife's brain so they could communicate, you know, without speaking wow. through a computer. So that's this is not very far off wow. at all. So you could even get nagged within your mind. Your honey-do list is there. Oh, my you're... goodness. Oh. <laughs> well, I'll see if there's any other remaining comments here. Yeah. Um, it says the project has three goals, according to DARPA. First, try to map a person's EEG patterns. Uh, and then see if those patterns are generalizable, if everyone has some similar patterns. Mm -hmm. And then construct a fieldable pre-prototype that would decode the signal and transmit over limited range. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the military has been funding a handful of mind-tapping technology recently. And already the monkeys, uh, capable, uh, they have monkeys capable of telepathic limb control. Mm -hmm. Telepathy may also have advantages beyond covert battlefield chatter. 
Last year, the National Research Council and the Defense Intelligence Agency released a, a report suggesting that neuroscience might also be helpful to make the enemy obey our commands. The first step, though, may be getting a grudge to obey his officers' remotely transmitted thoughts. Wow. You know, the Antichrist appreciates them doing all this stuff ahead of time before he gets here. That will like make his job a lot easier. Put a mark on their forehead and then, mm-hmm. you know, right. we'll clean out their pineal gland. That's <laughs> right. Or worse. And by the way, I want to thank our listener, Bob. I believe it was Bob out there today who, who had another forehead comment that said, uh, I wonder if this, you know, we talked about the forehead and the pineal gland being sort of keys prophetically mm-hmm. in uh, the mind and the spiritual connection. And he said, I wonder if that's why the faith healers always hit people in the forehead. Well, and it gets even more interesting than that. Oftentimes, uh, people who people who work outside of Christianity and stuff, mm-hmm. opening your third eye, it also oftentimes right. involves touching specifically there. So it's very... A lot of data to yeah. suggest that, ladies and gentlemen, please keep looking for more data like that. We'll share it. But uh, talking of uh, Hitler here that you mentioned, we need to bring Merv in <laughs> to uh, come open and illuminate us on how yeah. to contact us here at FutureQuake. FutureQuake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or Internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay. We're, we're in like five, ten second range. Uh, gosh. I, I could go so long. On Lots of stories really still weird. on the table. Things are getting way weirder yeah. than they need to. Didn't get to talk about uh, uh, noted uh, UFO researchers now finally talking about reptilian extraterrestrials, huh. or what I call locust in the Bible. Yeah. But that'll wait for another day. Yeah. Till then, we got to get out of here. Let's, let's roll. It's going to be a fantastic show next week. Uh-huh. Please check it out. Yeah. Tell your friends and neighbors to listen. Download these shows while they're available on the web, mm-hmm. and keep them, pass them out. But until then, we hope your future is very bright. Have a great day. Bye. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. 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 There are new dreams crowding out old realities. There's revolution sweeping like a fresh new breeze. There's the